Thank you for choosing Talks News, your only source into circumventing YouTube's policies, the Alex Jones way, and getting interviewed onto another person's channel to reappear again. I am your host, the wacko weirdo rebel scum Jedi hero. Today's date is May 24th, 2021. Let the record show. And we begin with the Pledge of Allegiance, the Talks News Way. Hand over heart, hat off. I pledge allegiance to liberty and justice for all. Like I said, thank you for joining me. Don't forget to like this if you liked it, dislike it if you don't, rate, review, subscribe, notification bell, uh, share it with a boomer, share it with a Gen Z, share it with as many people you see fit, or don't. It's don't listen to me. Um, actually, do. This is a podcast. But don't do what I say. I guess that's the position I'm going to take on this one. Anyways, uh, today's going to be a longer one. Just a brief heads up. If you want a shorter episode of Talks News and you haven't heard it yet, go check out the last one where I went over how infuriating... Michael Knowles is. And this one isn't going to be any less infuriating. Uh, The video segment that we're going to be focusing on today comes from Michael Knowles' channel, uh, interviewing Steven Crowder, who has been banned from YouTube, and we'll get into all of that as we get there. Um, But I wanted to begin with this article coming from the Wall Street Journal editorial board, which was posted by Lauren Boebert, representative from Colorado, house representative and um it's very weird she posted uh this on twitter it says my bill the america's infrastructure modernization act should be a common sense bipartisan compromise and then it says thanks wall street journal for the reasonable argument for using unspent stimulus money on infrastructure which will stimulate our economy for years to come So I got a little curious and I was like, I haven't heard of this bill or it being introduced. So I Google searched it and it's actually a bill that was not introduced by Lauren Boebert. And it's called uh, America's Immunization Infrastructure Modernization Act. So it specifically focuses in on uh, immunization in the healthcare system so if you if you don't believe me just uh google that the google just um america's infrastructure modernization act and it'll be one of the first ones up there and it's specifically talking about immunization which doesn't have anything to do with say the uh infrastructure bill that this wall street journal is going to be talking about which is being negotiated between the senate and the white house um trying to figure out how they're going to pass that bill Um, but to Lauren Boebert, after I did a little bit of research, I asked her, how come that's not your bill? Because it's not, it was introduced by two other representatives. Um, and why does infrastructure need to quote unquote stimulate the economy? It's very weird to me that we would argue the case of infrastructure in regards to it needing to stimulate the economy, that being the private sector. Uh, it's very strange. To me that that's what the infrastructure goal would be rather than providing uh for the american citizens so uh i followed up with a 
Easy question about how about infrastructure stimulates some of our clean water access, public transit, education, energy, and healthcare. That's right, healthcare is infrastructure. And if you don't believe healthcare is infrastructure, then you need to hit me up and explain why. Because I, I, I definitely think a healthy citizenry makes a healthy country. Anyways, we have uh, after Laura Lauren's ridiculous tweet full of misinformation and just oddly weird praise of uh, the Wall Street Journal. I read this article. Um, I only read some of it, but we're going to get into it piece by piece here because it is uh, pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Um, so we'll begin now. It comes from the entire editorial board. So this is a effort by the Wall Street Journal to frame a certain opinion because it also comes in their op-ed form. So let me sip this coffee and we, we shall get right into it. Uh, the article is called A Bad Infrastructure Bargain, and I'll include the link in the description. And it begins, Senate Republicans say they're inching closer to striking an infrastructure deal with the Biden administration. Sorry to say, this looks like bad policy and politics, bipartisanship for its own sake and not for the public good. Now, here's the thing is when you open up with like Republicans are working with the Biden administration, a.k.a. Democrats, um, I would like for you to explain exactly how it's bipartisanship for its own sake and not for the public good as if like this happens only like the republican party isn't as obstructionist when they're just trying to look good in front of the public not necessarily actually in the best interest of them so i find that very interesting that as soon as like bipartisanship starts like taking form uh other conservative pundits are like what are you doing you're supposed to be opposing you're not you're supposed to be stonewalling where's the mitch mcconnell that we knew in the obama era and uh that's that's what that whole first paragraph was to me um the article continues, Republicans don't want to look like obstructionists and spending more on roads, bridges, and ports is politically popular. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is the ridiculousness, and it's only, like, a few sentences in. Like, of course, infrastructure has always been, quote-unquote, politically popular. Um, most people want to see infrastructure like roads and bridges, ports, clean water access, public transit. Um, most citizens want to see these things running functionally uh, and optimal. You know, they want it optimized. We don't want a weak infrastructure to the point where our roads, bridges, and everything is breaking down, crumbling to pieces. Um, so it's always been politically popular, mainly because us citizens want a good infrastructure. Uh, maybe the article continues, maybe a deal that exclusively funds public works and includes some policy victories like permitting reform would be worthwhile, but there's no evidence that Democrats want that kind of compromise. <laughs> That's funny too, because like, it's honestly like super vague language, like a deal that exclusively funds public works permitting reform would be worthwhile. It's, it's so vague in, like, it's, like, in what that means, and we would have to see it, what's exactly in the infrastructure bill to be like, maybe this is funding public works here, huh? Um, but it's very fascinating to me that, like, for some reason, 
there's no evidence that Democrats want to fund public works. Um, it's 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 very funny. This is like just like formed when there is some bipartisanship to get a infrastructure bill across, which I don't think the infrastructure bill is going far enough. Two trillion dollars over 10 years. That's pretty weak shit. America. I find that uh, we could have gone much further in that. I kind of I'm on the side of the Democratic Socialists and their progressiveness of we need 10 trillion dollars because we really need to overhaul a lot of our infrastructure for the 21st century and the oncoming 22nd century. Um, I think we need to be thinking a little bit further ahead than $2 trillion over 10 years. But um, it's just funny how like some form of, I guess, moderate, being a moderateness, which is bipartisanship these days, is getting reactionary uh, responses from the, the 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 conservative media because if the Republicans are actually working with Democrats, then we still need to keep the citizens angry at the Democrats because you know we don't want them switching their votes or giving them too support too much support because then too much of their agenda will get done and we can't further radicalize people when we have our candidates running next year under the Trump banner. So it's just it's very funny to me how much like reactionary uh responses is necessary to the, the the conservative side of the party it's it's great um the article continues one question republicans should consider is how much more infrastructure spending is even needed oh my god oh that's that's great the wall street journal being like our infrastructure doesn't need that much money in it <laughs> When like literally our like our our entire infrastructure is almost a hundred years old, like there's so there there definitely is a lot we could do infrastructural wise. In fact, like the uh, we could m ensure that we don't have another Flint situation. Um, rather like kind of swerve that before we cross that bridge. Um. You know, we don't have very great public transit. Uh, it's very funny to me that Pete Buttigieg wants to get the United States as like one of the top nations with a uh, a subway system or I guess like a, a, a railway system when we're like incredibly far behind on that. Um, we have like poor public housing, the airports themselves, you know, they got some kickback from Trump and then broadband um, where installing a lot of fiber going in with 5g there's so much we could do with infrastructure um it's very funny to me that you know we'll argue about infrastructure and how the government spends too much and then we increase the military and pentagon budget every year it's it's so funny we never like and it's 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 always more of a minority arguing against the 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 uh, bloating of the Pentagon's budget, but we have like this mainstream Republican response to whenever it's infrastructure or even a welfare program, anything that goes to the public rather than the imperialism. It's very fascinating to me. Uh, so the article continues, Congress has already shoveled out hundreds of billions of dollars for public transit, housing, airports, and broadband in the past year. This is true, but the thing is, though, is that we have to maintain these things as well by spending money on them, and in fact, a lot of them may need improving. So um, it's funny that we're like, oh, we've already spent money on it in, in in the past year, and, you know, that should be good enough. You know, it's uh, 
that's funny because like we why why do we never make that argument again for like the military last year we spent like nearly 730 uh, 30 billion dollars on it this year we spent nearly 750 billion dollars on it so um why why not make that same case for the, for the military i don't know i really don't um the article continues democrats in march appropriated 30 billion dollars for public transit which was on top of the $40 billion from last year's COVID bills, which was on top of the $13 billion Congress annually spends. Mm, that's a total of $83 billion in spending in one year, about six times what Congress normally spends. Like, imagine getting mad about Congress spending money, even though that's like specific, like, if not just passing legislation, that is in fact their job. Um, and I also like how too um, they were like, which was on top of the $40 billion from last year's COVID bills, which was, uh, governed by a, uh, Republican dominated Senate and a Republican president. So, um, it seems like public spending is in fact a bipartisan, uh, you know, responsibility. It seems that like bipartisanship to spend uh, the American citizens' tax dollars uh, does, in fact, go across uh, the aisle. But yeah, it's very funny that um, you know we appropriated thirty billion dollars for public transit mainly because we have a lot to do in those regards, especially too if we're going to uh, try to cut down carbon emissions by twenty fifty, which apparently seems to be the goal. Uh, we're going to need a much more robust public transit system in order so in order to ensure that a lot of people don't have to drive their cars anymore to cut down those emissions. If you know we're going to make the public sector take up most of that responsibility rather than the eighty companies who produce most of our carbon emissions, but Nonetheless, I like how they complained about the $40 billion from last year's COVID bill, which I will remind you was headed by a Republican president and a Republican-dominated Senate. So, um, yeah, can't just get mad at just, you know, the, 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 the parties on this one. But I also find it fascinating that they said uh, it's about six times what Congress normally spends, as if, like, we're forgetting that, yeah, no shit, there was a pandemic last year where we had to, like, have PPP loans. We had to stimulate the economy by giving everybody stimulus checks. Um, we increased the amount for unemployment. You know, we increased the amount for benefits in general. Uh, there was a lot of spending to do last year because we had to technically shut down our economy in certain sectors or even for prolonged periods of time. So, yeah, uh, it was abnormal, but last year wasn't a normal year, Wall Street journal so um if like it's so fascinating to me too that like whenever the the spending increases in one area we bitch and complain about it but the military's budget just keeps increasing until someday we're just spending a trillion dollars per year on just the military we'll see though mm. it's a lot of ranting but the article continues there's no doubt that public works in many places have deteriorated, but whose fault is that? <laughs> State and local governments are primarily responsible for financing and maintaining public works. Yet, Democrats who control big cities and blue states prioritize union wages, benefits, and inefficient work rules that increase construction and operating costs. F fun fun throwing unions 
and benefits, like things that benefit the workers on the bottom level, throwing that under the bus. That's why uh, we have shit infrastructure is because we have to uh, placate to the unions, which have too much power and offer too much money to their to their members and then benefits. Good God, like good God for like giving PTO and health to their workers. And that just, you know, increases the cost so much to a point where our infrastructure is just suffocated by the amount of money that we're spending on health care for <laughs> like literally this one paragraph is blaming the workers for our weak infrastructure as if like the profit motive has no incentive to actually improve our infrastructure and that's why it's suffering that's awesome that's awesome because neoliberalism like really dictates that corporations know what's best with our resources and can distribute it more efficiently than our government can. And so rather than blaming the, the, the millions and billionaires who keep hoarding all the money and reducing the amount of wages and benefits, we're just going to blame the wages and the benefits. That's awesome. Like imagine like this argument was if everybody was still enslaved, we would have much better infrastructure because it wouldn't cost cost as much to have good infrastructure like isn't that that's such a good argument oh my god all right so the article for some reason continues this is why the first stretch of new york city's second avenue subway completed in 2017 at a cost of 2.5 billion dollars per mile is the most expensive subway in the world costs for the long island uh Railroads east side access are running more than six times higher per mile than the average for underground rail projects worldwide. Is that one like currently going on? Because if it is, yet again, we're dealing with a specific uh, economic situation coming out of the uh, tail end of 2020 where resources uh, have increased in price, mainly due to either shortages, the, 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 the labor force being wrecked by a pandemic, or the supply chain also having a difficulty time uh, or a harder time, you know, being able to move product around. Let's say uh, the Suez Canal also was an effect on a lot of resources being moved. I think it delayed things by about two weeks and cost i think it was like a billion dollars per day for um every day that the suez uh that that ship was stuck in the suez canal so it's very fascinating um the angle that we're coming at here because it's not really specified as to what may cause the railroad to be six times uh the cost per mile than the average underground rail project worldwide but um we're just going with blaming the government because that's probably the easiest rather than taking a uh, you know very broad look at the economy and the specific situation that we're dealing with i mean there's even speculation going on that we're having rising stagflation where uh inflation of prices is going up the economy is slowing in growth if not showing any whatsoever and our wages are not increasing as well so um there's a much broader discussion of the economy to be going on here of why the long island railroad might be more expensive than usual but let's just blame the government um and that'll be easy that'll be easy enough so the article continues, which gets to the policy rub. More money will do little good without regulatory and permitting reforms, especially to the National Environmental Policy Act. 
Huh. That would speed up projects. They want to reform one specific act? Very weird. Yet Democrats want to attach more union and green mandates to federal cash. The Davis-Bacon Act already requires more federally funded construction projects to pay prevailing wages. So Right to Work West Virginia will have to pay union wages on any highway repair funded by an infrastructure bill. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Like, oh, these, these damn union members and their livable wages. Damn them. We would be able to build a much better uh, highway or repair it more efficiently if I just had slaves. If I didn't have to pay people livable wages, I could build you the best infrastructure you have ever seen, is the argument here. Okay. Uh, the, the capitalist disdain for unions is very upsetting, but the article continues. Some Republicans want to pay for a scaled-down infrastructure deal with user fees and giving the IRS more money for audits. Why why are we like even looking at it in that perspective when of course we could increase like the corporation's income tax? You know, we keep hearing each corporation either getting a tax rebate or paying 0% and yet we just keep moving on and getting mad that we don't have money for our infrastructure or for our social programs. And then we use like the wrong uh, you know, methodology to make up for that loss of government revenue because we just don't tax corporations properly. It's very strange. Like, why give more money to the IRS for audits when we could literally just actually get more money from the corporations that aren't paying their taxes? It's, that, it's pretty simple. Um, the article continues, why would Republicans put their fingerprints on a politically toxic gas tax increase? god damn it dude (laughs) oh man why would republicans support a tax increase the fools better to let states raise their own gas taxes as more than 30 have done since 2013 and let their politicians be accountable for how the revenue is spent so they're mad at a federalized toxic gas tax okay all right all right Uh, As for the IRS, the Biden administration's estimate of $700 billion in new revenue from targeting the rich is fanciful, says the Wall Street Journal. (laughs) The Congressional Budget Office has projected that a $40 billion increase in the IRS budget over 10 years might generate $103 billion in revenue. Oh, God, dude. Like, I hate I hate this so much. I hate this so much because like if we audit more people we will increase more of the revenue, um, which like auditing isn't really going to target most of the wealthy people. It's going to, you know, get the chicken scratch of a lot of people on the lower level. So that's that's cool, man. Um, the article continues, but most studies note that much of the underreported income innovated taxes is hidden in pass through businesses. This means the IRS would have to harass tens of thousands of small businesses to find spare change. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So rather than throwing money at the IRS to audit small businesses and individuals who probably don't make as much as Jeff Bezos, um, let's just actually t- tax Amazon where it actually pays 10% of its income tax. 
like uh it, rather than getting a negative one percent or zero percent let's let's try to increase the percentage of corporates paying uh, corporations paying their taxes let's do that rather than you know forcing the irs to go through and harass everyone that's like the one thing that I actually agree with the Wall Street Journal here, but that's not the case that they're arguing. They're not arguing a case of increased taxes for anybody whatsoever. Um, but I do agree with them that using the IRS to find more tax evasion rather than actually fundamentally changing the tax code, kind of agree with them on a certain level. When uh, the article continues. <clears throat> When auditors demand that small businesses hand over bank records and receipts, they call senators to complain. The savings from IRS enforcement are so unreliable that Congress's budget rules won't score them anywhere close to the Biden numbers. Okay. The overall politics are no better for Republicans. Public concern is appropriately growing about the giant Democratic spending plans and how that might play out in higher taxes or inflation. Higher taxes for who? How would it increase inflation? Hmm? Hmm? Is anybody going to explain anything? But, you know, it's always Democrats. These Democrats just want a giant government who spends all of your money and leave you poor. Which, you know... To a certain extent, it's kind of true, but um, we do need a government to, uh, you know, be funded and then use that funding to uh, provide an infrastructure. That's kind of necessary, you know. Uh, Democrats now own the results. Yet, if the GOP helps Mr. Biden, <laughs> oh, wow, they're not even calling him president. Um, yet, if the GOP helps Mr. Biden pass his public works plans, it will share responsibility and lose what could be a potent issue for 2022. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Imagine that being a losing point for Republicans. You passed public works plans. You are a loser. You funded the infrastructure of America. You suck. Like, wow. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. And that's the thing, too, is that if the stagflation really comes through, um, the Democrats are going to have a very rough time retaining seats come t uh, 2022 and 2024. Um, because if the economy really tanks, um, I don't really see Joe Biden getting the second chance that Jimmy Carter did. He's probably just going to get voted out um, by the Electoral College, most likely because the GOP candidates are getting pretty fucking wild. So, the article continues, a bipartisan deal also won't get the GOP any policy moderation from Democrats. Mr. Biden... <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting such a kick out of that. Like, they would literally refuse to call him president. Mr. Biden has already said he'll pocket whatever he can in a deal with Republicans, and then he'll pass the rest with Democratic votes using budget reconciliation. Hmm. Hmm. Biden's been pretty open about being a moderate. That's very true. Uh... So, the article continues, that includes the individual and corporate tax increases, as well as the new entitlements for child care, 
community college, paid leave, and much more. A real bipartisan deal means genuine policy compromise, but Democrats want to take what the GOP will give them on spending and make no policy concessions. Because, like, the GOP doesn't support the tax increases for the corporates. That's why they included the individual tax increases in there, because if they don't let you know that it's individual and corporate tax increases, then you just might support a bill for corporate tax increases. Um, new ch new entitlements for childcare. I'm on a, actually on a proponent that we need to better fund, uh, you know, daycare for, uh, we, we, like, uh, you know, free community college, free childcare over here, guy. Hey, um, uh, yeah, with like both both families or not both families, but both members of the household usually having or at least on the you know bottom fifty percent of the income level both members of the household usually have to go to work leaving childcare either to a private entity that's too expensive and they have to go on payment plans no i'm much more for actually providing free health uh, free healthcare as well free community college and free childcare for uh, people who are working because it is ridiculous this is this is ridiculous and then also getting mad at paid leave like european countries have ridiculous amounts of vacation time not even to mention like paternity leave we 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 barely offer maternity leave in the united states and yet the european union is going ham on letting fathers stay home with their child for a bit like Come on, we can do better. It's pretty obvious. Uh, a real by, and it's funny to me that like if the, the the Republicans support these things, childcare, community college, paid leave, corporate taxes, their 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 spines are flimsy to the rest of the GOP. Like you got a weak spine if you support childcare, community college, corporate tax increases, paid leave, and healthcare. Like, like what is their platform literally going to be when like? this level of inequality really comes to a head. I, I, I don't know what they're going to do other than probably resort to fascism to just ensure that power is held tightly and the, the, the foundations of the institution can't be destroyed. That's like literally the only thing I can see the GOP doing after this, after they refuse to help the working class to the point where populism will be the only choice. Um, they're, they're, they'll probably resort to fascism, some more fascism for sure. Anyways, after accusing the GOP of possibly finding fascism attractive, uh, the article continues, the GOP spending offer should be to repurpose the $700 billion from Democrats' March bill that CBO says won't be spent until after 2021. If Democrats want more, they should give up their tax increases and new entitlements. If they refuse the... <laughs> If they refuse that compromise, then let them find the Democratic votes to pass it. Wow. The compromise, rather than providing child care, like the, the Republicans could at least like argue a compromise to where they could increase the, 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 the qualifications to make it more difficult, right? Or they could reduce the amount being spent on the child care or, you know, providing subsidies to private entities to try and do this child care thing through the private sector. It's just let go of it. Just like don't increase taxes. Don't do new entitlements. And guess what? You've got yourself a compromise. Like, that's cool. Cool. All right. Good for y'all. <laughs> uh, the GOP, the party of let's not do anything about nothing. <laughs> oh, that's the end of the article, too. All right. Cool. <laughs> 
man. Uh, all right. So good stuff. Good stuff. What I even find funny too is that like Lauren Bobert says here, thanks Wall Street Journal for the reasonable argument for using unspent stimulus money on infrastructure. When none of that was in here, none of that was in here. The argued case was, is we're already spending too much money. So let's just not spend any more money. That was literally the whole case provided in that article. Lauren Boebert living in a total different reality that I, you know, whatever she's smoking, she got to pass it this way because I'm not seeing what she's seeing. Like, not only it's not her bill, the, the, the infrastructure modernization act is not her bill so i don't know why she said her bill um should be a common sense bipartisanship and it literally has not much to do with actual infrastructure it's mostly about immunization and the like data transfer in between you know state lines and it's mostly a healthcare bill that doesn't really focus in too much on healthcare, just immunization and then proceeds to say that the wall street journal has a great case for spending unspent stimulus money when that wasn't even brought up and jesus christ lauren how are how how did you get voted in for real though all right all right all right let's get real let's get real real so uh crowder circumvents youtube's policies by getting invited to uh michael knoll's show who uses the hashtag hashtag mug club to let you know all of Steven Crowder's uh, followers know that he's on YouTube for a brief moment here. Um, this video is like 40 minutes long. And if you know anything about this podcast, that means that it's going to take me about an hour and a half to get through it. So if you're not interested in a longer episode, um, maybe even pause it and come back later. But yeah, this is, uh, is going to be a thick one, real thick. We got a couple of thick heads coming through shooting the shit. So let's get it. Uh, the video is called The Nuclear Option. So, uh, and it also, too, like Crowder has been having beef with uh, YouTube constantly. Like, if anyone is to use a lawsuit to try and overturn Section 230, um, it's definitely Crowder. He's been uh, kind of, you know, him and uh, YouTube have been trading blows since the whole Carlos Maza thing in 2019. Or was it 2018? One of those two years. Um, so I'm not surprised that it's reached this point and he's trying to take it into court and then try to, I don't know, rework the language of Section 230 because for some reason all these conservatives want uh, media platforms to not be platforms but publishers, um, which doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea, mainly because if it becomes a publishing uh, website, then it's really going to start kicking out and not it's not going to be a much broader public forum like it is now. Yes, it has rules that can get you censored and it has algorithms that can pile you deep below the underground where not a lot of people will find you. But it's still at a point where, you know, everybody can join in and everybody can voice their opinion to a certain extent. If it was to go to a publisher form of model, we would see a lot less 
uh, different voices. It would be like mainly the mainstream people. Like the amount of people that actually use Twitter and tweet on it is a smaller fraction than the amount of people who actually use it. And it would become even smaller so if we go off of nothing but the check marks. Basically, the check marks would be the only people who would be the highest of like actually being pushed out there, like the ones doing their tweets. And then we would see that model what they're what Twitter's looking at too, where like um you you would pay like uh Michael Knowles like a certain fee and you could get access to his private tweets which only people who pay can interact with those as well. So if like publishing would go into that route, we would see more of like a Netflix model coming to YouTube, Twitter even though YouTube has YouTube TV. I'm saying it would be even more gatekeepy gatekeeper than it is now. So I don't think it's a good idea to repeal section 230. Although I will say that it is important that, you know, YouTube and all these other social media platforms don't have the monopolized power of shutting down people left and right just for speaking their perspectives. But we also have to kind of gauge and assess the risk and reward of, you know, these certain kind of narratives that get perpetrated through these platforms because like Alex Jones literally is so transphobic to the point where people will call into his show and say how they need to drag out uh, trans people from their places of work and beat the shit out of them, if not kill them. So, like, that type of stuff is so obvious that it needs to be pulled down from YouTube. Steven Crowder works in a much more subtle, dog whistly way. So that's why this uh, this particular fight is coming in the form that it is. Um, yeah, so that's that's my bit of rant before we get into this. Yep, so prepare yourselves. You may not have seen a lot of Steven Crowder lately. Why is that? Where, where has this international man of mystery gone? Is it because he has COVID? I don't know, maybe. He is, does have the sniffles and he's got a box of tissues on his desk. Is it because he's gone to the, the other side of the world? No, it's because YouTube is taking him down like they've been doing more and more in recent days. What did Steven do now? We will find out. Steven, thank you for being here. Has YouTube, like, ever even, like, taken down a Michael Knowles video? Has uh, YouTube ever really, like, taken down one of Ben Shapiro's videos? A Tucker Carlson video? A Sean Hannity video? Anything that isn't, like, Steven Crowder, really. Like, I'm sure there's some, like, fringe America First people like Nick Fuentes that they've taken down multiple videos of. But, like, Steven Crowder is is their punching bag as much as, like, Steven Crowder keeps using YouTube to stir up this fight of conservatives being censored. Um, to me, a lot of it actually does come off as performative political theater. But um, that's more of a conspiracy theory because I don't really know what's going on behind the closed doors of either Crowder's show or the YouTube board of you know, all the members who meet on that shit. So <sighs> I just don't like the direction that a lot of this is heading because a lot of videos like that I view usually come from a more educational purpose, like the cynical historian. His videos get taken down like all the time and it's never really of taking a side like Crowder does. Crowder takes a very like nationalist right wing racist side and serves a lot of misinformation in the form of like misinformation in vaccines, election, immigration, a lot of other things. So I get why uh, Crowder 
his videos get taken down or he gets demonetized. But the cynical historian I'm really perplexed by because he literally is just putting up history videos. So when his videos get taken down for depiction of violence or um, uh, like radical, like when he, he's talking about the Nazi party or just in general, like it's never really made sense to me why the cynical historian has been targeted to the point where he has to re-upload videos because of YouTube flagging it when it's literally like a history lesson. I, I really don't understand because Crowder's is obvious in its political agenda that he's trying to sell you an idea to get something across legislatively or through, um, I don't know, citizen action. So it's very strange. Uh, the conservative victimhood. Um, yeah, it's 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 very weird. It's very weird. Thank you for thank you for having me, sir. I apologize that I sound like like Hunter uh, Biden on a palm bender, but I'm very sick. The only thing that I know it's not is COVID because of many, many tests that I've done. Well, that's true. I'm sure you've, you've taken a bunch of tests. And now, you know, even if you want to walk into like a Starbucks, I think you've got to get three negative COVID tests. So you do, yeah. but you do, I actually didn't remember that anyone could get sick with anything else over the past right. year other than COVID. I know. No, believe me, I was in the same boat. Turns out the flu is still a thing. <laughs> And it tur turns out that so is pneumonia, bronchitis. These things still exist. As a matter of fact, it's almost more likely for some of you out there yeah. uh, to get it, depending where you are. And depending on your age demographic, you know, if you're a young, healthy person, you might be more likely to experience these symptoms like I have, where, you know, if I could check off a list, hey, which symptoms of everything that I have, you know, the, the throat that feels like the device from seven had been jammed yeah. into it, the, uh, the, the, the nasal drip, or a slight loss of taste and smell, I would pick that. I, that's what I would pick. Yes. You, you, but uh, wow. I'm so. So I think Crowder took the opportunity during his ban to go get his COVID shot. I think he got his vaccine. And rather than saying that he's dealing with the flu, a cold, he, he, he named it all. He's like, the flu is still a thing. People are still getting bronchitis. People are still getting pneumonia. <laughs> Sniffle. I'm, I, I feel like he got his vaccination. And isn't saying that he got his vaccination because I'm, I'm guessing he doesn't want a virtue signal. That's probably it. He probably doesn't want a virtue signal to everybody that he is now a vaccinated member who will be transgender by next year. <laughs> no, but in, in all seriousness, I think he took the opportunity to get his vaccine and is blaming it on some uh, vague illness that is flu like. upset that not only are you going to get yourself kicked off YouTube, now that you have yeah. suggested that some people are less likely than others to get COVID, you're going to get, get me kicked off of YouTube too. And then, and then where are we going to be? I know. How, how dare we suggest it? It's almost, it's almost as risky as suggesting. It's, how it's more like how dare you suggest it without providing any evidence. Like if you make a claim, normally in most settings, dealing with the news, politics, debates, all those kinds of things, usually might have to provide some evidence to back up your claim. So, you know, suggesting things isn't inherently bad, but it really is in what you're suggesting. And here we're suggesting that it's more likely that you'll get the flu than COVID. And so you shouldn't really, really worry about shit. Although if everybody wore masks, even the spread of the flu would be reduced. So uh, what are we arguing for here? I'm a little curious. What, what, what are we talking about?
saying that if people are vaccinated, they don't need to wear masks. Here we go. Here we go. And retroactively, retroactively, we don't fix those bans, do we? We don't fix the bans of people who said that. They were removed from social media platforms until Fauci said, well, you know, it really really was theta because I didn't want to send the wrong message. Okay, great. Well, I think we send the wrong message by banning people who were actually following the science. And who were right. You know, this brings up, there was a fact check. I think it was, I forget if it was political. I guess it was. I really don't even know who they're talking about that was pulled uh, for, you know, talking about masks. I would need specific cases of the uh, pundits who got pulled for the, the whole mask thing because everybody on the right wing conservative media has been arguing that masks are useless um, since March of last year. So I don't, I need, I need more evidence than that. This just more claims. More baseless claims. Politifact. They came out and they said, oh my God, I'm going to get COVID just from sitting on the, oh gosh. Uh, that's very, I can feel it over here. Uh, I, I saw- <laughs> At the beginning, he says he doesn't have COVID and he was pretty adamant about it. And then still Michael's like, oh man, I, I, I can almost get COVID over here. And so, like, if Crowder doesn't have COVID, yet again, I'm going to assume that he got his vaccine. And then also, too, I like how he spit into his uh, mug that he got from the Daily Wire. It's the one that says leftist tears. Um, I like how now, rather than it being filled with leftist tears, it's actually filled with Crowder's spit. So, you know, uh, I feel like we should somehow get all those mugs re rebranded from leftist tears to Crowder spit and then give it to everybody who works on Crowder show. That would be awesome. I don't think they would drink from them because you know, that's, it's emitting a little too much. Like the, I feel like the only way that you would laugh at his jokes the way that they do is by drinking his spit daily. All right. I'm getting, I'm getting a little hawkish here, but with the ad hominems. So I'm going to move on. <laughs> so this fact check where someone said early on, it looks like the Wuhan Institute of Virology was associated with this, this leak. And they got a big fact check from PolitiFact. This is wrong. Seven zillion Pinocchios. And then they had to put an editor's note on the fact check. And they said, oh, actually, yeah, maybe it was. Where's the, yeah. where's the apology? Where's the take putting them back on YouTube? Where's the uh, reinstituting their social media platforms? I mean, th- this is right. I don't, I don't think it was COVID that got you booted this time. Can you tell us anything about why, why you're off YouTube right now? <laughs> Can I tell you anything? Uh, yes, uh, a few things. So first off, let me preface it with this because you and I both know that there, you want to do your show. I want to do my show. There are some people who thrive off of just social media drama who, oh, they have a Twitter temporary suspension and they want, this is not that. Like no. we've done hundreds of shows. We do hours of content. You know, our, 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 we, we get more viewers on a live show than Jimmy Kimmel, than, um, than Jimmy Fallon. Okay, that's what I want to do. This is different. We have uh, submitted a notice. We're filing a lawsuit. He we- wants to get more views than Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon? Um, Crowder views. Um, the thing that I do find interesting though is that he is getting like a lot of advertisement from other people, whether it's like articles or channels. Um, and it almost is like, um, he's doing like an advertisement for his like mug club now that like he's not on youtube the only way to actually view his content is to subscribe and pay him personally so like while this is a campaign to try and overturn section 230 and get 
uh, YouTube moving towards a more publisher uh, position so that they can easily sue them if their you know channels taken down and then also reduce the amount of people uh, allowed to participate on these platforms he is also advertising his channel like very much so and every time like somebody is quote-unquote canceled or being persecuted in in this conservative victimhood era it does give them a lot of attention on the conservative side and conservatives will go out of their way to support them like they did Goya beans like Goya beans is generally like so black bland average mediocre and also just like not even that good and yet they went out of their way to buy as much goya beans just because somebody said something about goya i think goya said that they were voting for trump the left for some reason was like fuck you dude as if like corporations aren't going to support the guy who lowered their taxes very hard and then the right was like since the left hates him i'm eating nothing but goya because that's the best way to lick the boot and so crowder's doing this it's the same tactic as like most conservatives do when they get either canceled or suppressed is go on this like tour of hey you can still consume my content and i can still make money but yet at the same time i also want to be on youtube because there's a lot of people on there and i want to get as many people as i possibly can so um yeah there it, it there's layers of this shit crowder's going to tell us like oh it's you know, it's 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 like this, um, but you know, we have to take all things into consideration. Um, I just got like a little curious view on the viewership because he said that he gets more than uh, nearly inside the numbers. Um, let's see here. I don't. Hmm. I wish there was like a specific website where you could see everybody. Let's see. Uh, I just want to get these numbers comparatively just because I, ha I have a little like curiosity here between Crowder and um, John Oliver. Because they're both uh, apparently comedians who also do news. So I'm trying to see here. Because, like, getting more numbers than um, Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon is kind of weird because those are specifically just like entertainment shows and not necessarily anything to do with the same kind of subjects that Steven Crowder does. So I want to see John Oliver's numbers compared to his rather than, you know, two late night show comedians. Um, do, 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 from Trackalytics. Let's see here. Man, I really need a new laptop. All right. So in 2020, let's see. July 18th, he had the highest right here. October 18th, 2018. That was an ad revenue? I'm not looking for revenue. What the fuck? I'm looking for viewership. Subscribers, views. There we go. Jesus. Wow, his views have just been growing pretty expo exponentially since 2016 of July. Um, That's Crowder's. John Oliver's subscribed holy shit yeah no okay so john oliver gets way more views than crowder does so wednesday may 6th 
John Oliver getting about two billion. No fucking way. Two billion four hundred sixty-three million nine hundred seventeen thousand four hundred twenty-five views, which is up two million since I think the previous week. That's the highest point uh, coming May eighth, twenty twenty. Crowder looking at a billion fifty-one million six hundred seventeen thousand and nine. So yeah, John Oliver actually getting wow. Uh, twice as much as Crowder, if not two and a half times. So, uh, not, you know, bragging about beating the late night comedians. Um, cool. All right. I, I just, I was just curious. Cause like Crowder isn't the same exact show as John Oliver. Um, he tends to fit in more segments than John Oliver does. And he has more guests on and it's much of a rapport between him and his crew where John Oliver's is much more, uh, just speaking to a camera and a blank void at this point. But I was just curious because John Oliver is a, I would say left leaning comedian who reports on the news while making fun of it. I feel like Crowder tries to do the same thing for the right wing, but I, don't think he's very funny so i it's not quite as satirical as uh john oliver's but um i would say they're more comparable than jimmy fallon and jimmy kimmel which was a weird that was a weird brag weird flex crowder with youtube and an immediate uh injunction request of injunction because as you know on youtube if you have three strikes your account is gone forever yeah. Okay, so we, we had the Vox apocalypse. This happened a while back, and they found that we violated no policies, right? So they demonetized us, then they remonetized us, and they demonetized us. And we've always said, your sandbox, okay, your rules, 230 may have something to say about it. But in this I thought they got remonetized because they did actually uh, delete the content where he was harassing Carlos Maza. I thought it was actually him uh, complying that got him remonetized, not because they said, actually, you didn't harass Carlos Mazo by calling him a wispy queer. Um, I think they actually deleted that content. So uh, Crowder reframing the, the, the events that actually happened. So that's interesting. In this case, actually, COVID was one of them. So uh, the first, I don't remember the exact order, but for people who out there who aren't paying attention, and we're still broadcasting, by the way, live at uh, lidoscrowder.com slash mug club. And uh, the free... See? That's basically right there. He just plugged his show during Michael Knowles' show. And anybody who wasn't already subscribed to Steven Crowder, uh, who normally watches uh, Michael Knowles, are going to go, this is a travesty. This, this should not be happening. I'm going to show those libs by subscribing and giving my money to Crowder. And bada boom, bada bing. Like, dude's fine content is available on rumble right now until we're able to stream uh, back on youtube and remains to be seen yeah. the first what the fuck is rumble i actually have no idea what that is let's go let's go hit google and see what rumble is rumble is your rights management video platform what the fuck does that mean rights management Host, distribute, and monetize all your professional, social, and viral video. Rumble is a Canadian online video platform headquarters in Toronto. It was founded in 2013 by Chris Pavlovs Pavlovsky, a technology entrepreneur from Canada. Rumble's monthly user count experienced rapid growth since July 2020, growing from 1.6 million monthly users to 31.9 million by the end of the first quarter of 2021. 
And here's my thing. They've always been complaining that, like, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter all have these monopolies. But, like, you know, you can go to these other alternatives like Parler, who doesn't really care that much about uh, quieting violent speech on their platform and hate speech on their platform. So, like, conservatives can obviously build their own Internet infrastructure to have all these platforms where they can get their views across. But that's not what they want, because if they go to areas where they can't incite people to anger, like in Twitter, because there's a bunch of leftists on there as well, then they can't get as much viral attention. So they're 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 just upset that they can't reach the maximum amount of people because these other websites are just echo chambers of shit they already believe but it, it it would allow their freedom of speech nonetheless and if people go to twitter and go to like wow this is such a leftist sphere they'll look for alternatives and parlor's numbers will grow but the thing is though is that conservatism is a minority party in the united states so um they're just fighting an uphill battle you know they're always saying how culture is down or politics is downstream from uh culture and then they keep swimming up upstream trying to get back to the culture um by pulling it downwards with them and try to regress and it's this is all ridiculousness this is so many levels of ridiculousness i i can't even i can't hashtag i can't even strike which wasn't a strike which was a warning was about election uh, about voter fraud, I should say, because yeah. we made very clear we never discussed mass election fraud. We never said the ghost of Hugo Chavez rigged the Dominion voting machines and Donald Trump was the rightful. Uh, no, but every video where they would bring up certain cases of discrepancies, they would be like, I don't know, man. It's very weird that we keep finding discrepancies and kind of brings up the question of the legitimacy of this election. So even though you're not taking the the stance of like there's there's so much evidence to prove that the election was stolen you're taking the soft position by saying it's weird that there's all these discrepancies isn't there that we f keep finding this this case in nevada and this case in georgia and this case in michigan isn't that weird and even though it's like no more discrepancies than any other election so far although it is it was increased a bit but we could make the argument or case that it was increased because of donald trump because he in fact told a bunch of his viewers that if you received an absentee ballot and a universal mail-in ballot that you should send in both to try and test the integrity of the election system so cool i i i i like the language going on here because it's uh it's poor framing and it's actually very easy to poke holes in you know, president who won re-election. What we did do, and it became a joke with my lawyer, was I said, what, look, just like Amy Klobuchar, just like Elizabeth Warren, just like Jimmy Carter, where we talk, they talked about, they had commissions to say, hey, voter fraud, which can occur, is one of the biggest threats to our national security, to sure. our national democracy. That was them. Yeah, yeah. And it occurs more with mail-in voting. They said that. Obama so said, said okay, it too, can we yeah. talk? Yes, exactly. I asked my lawyer, can we say that? Yes. Can we cross-reference voters with the current voter rolls and the addresses that don't exist? And if we go on Google Earth and show that it doesn't exist as an address, can I just talk about those? He said, nope, because Google Earth is not up to date. I said, what if I said interns that day? But the thing is, though, is that, like, they reported about this parking lot and how there was no building there. And then they had to, like, redact that story the next day because they took a picture of the wrong location. So, like, it's literally dealing in misinformation, Crowder, that you're getting in trouble for. And you know it because you even announced it on your show that you guys took the picture of the wrong parking lot. Good for you, man. Good for you. 
day with a copy of that day's newspaper live on camera to show that it's an overpass or an empty lot. Double, triple confirmed. He said, if you're willing to do that, we're sure, fine. And we actually booked tickets to Nevada and Michigan and did it. That was removed. <laughs> okay. Now, we didn't get a real reason. They just said, uh, well, you know, this is violates election policy. I believe that was the warning. Then one of them was for COVID. One was a warning. One was a hard strike. But they should have been considered hard strikes. You know, listen, tomato, I say, um, you know, uh, uh, Orwellian. Yeah. So (laughs) the COVID one, we did a one-year anniversary. I don't like the conservatives using Orwellian in that way, Um, mainly because, like, Orwellian is a, uh, like, a, like, super authoritarian fascist regime shutting down all forms of perspective, um, a platform quieting your videos of possible disinformation or misinformation is not the same as Orwellian policies. An Orwellian, like in an Orwellian dream, it is the government who is suppressing this to an individual level, a company doing it to you. Like if you go to a bar and you're saying a bunch of shit that's upsetting the the other patrons of the bar and the bartender tells you to leave you are no longer welcome at the bar you are 86 because of your behavior we don't go oh this is orwellian no you're 86 that's it you get out it's it's very weird that we're holding these platforms to a different standard than we would every other business at least in the conservative world view sorry to uh 15 days to flatten the curve. And we went through the sequence of all of the science. So, for example, we had a montage of Fauci saying, don't wear a mask. A mask is actually worse because people touch their face and touching their face. And then we had him saying, do wear a mask. With the Surgeon General saying, stop buying masks and then saying, do buy a mask. Then we had him saying, double masking is unnecessary. You guys should double mask, double masking. So we went through all of this, right? And uh, keep in mind, I, I think we're the only show that does this. We provide all of our references, like a bibliography at loudearthcredit.com every day, every single show. Yeah, if you go to their website, you can find all of their sources rather than in the description below where it would be easily accessible to everybody. Um, And sometimes their sources are just just, uh, links to articles that they wrote on their website. So um, there's a a little uh, worrisome there of where your sources are coming from. So let's see here. I want to see if like you have to be subscribed to Louder with Crowder to actually get uh, access to that biblio- bibliography. What the f- fuck? There's a giant banner that just blocks everything. I can't I can't see anything. So let me go to podcast here. Um, no bibliography in this section. So that's interesting. Let's go to the videos then. Uh, let's go to the show. Uh, show notes. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, John Oliver had a lot of stupid things to say about stand your ground laws. We picked them apart one by one. Pope Tony Fauci had his biggest COVID flip-flop to date, and this one proves Donald Trump right. Also, another example of how Gretchen Whitmer is a horrible governor. Uh, let's see. He has the stand the ground video source, so that's good. And then uh, he has a source from Find Law. Okay, so yeah, okay, he does have the full sources in his website provided right here, and it's all for free. You don't have to be subscribed to Mug Club to check it out. But I would be actually interested next time I do a Crowder video. I'm gonna try and do it with um 
Except now I can't watch it without being subscribed to his channel, and that's never going to happen. So if he ever does come back to YouTube, I'll try to use his uh, page as well to try and check his sources as he does that. So I will give him points there for actually um, having all of his sources here, not having to be subscribed to uh, his website to get those sources. So good for you on that one, Crowder. I'm actually proud of you. I'm proud of you for that one. Yeah, wow. Our sources for this episode were primarily the CDC and the World Health Organization. And they're never specific, and these aren't really violations. But I believe the statement that got us into trouble, and I'm sorry, hopefully this doesn't get anyone in trouble, was something along the lines of, and so I will make sure that it's not specific, but we brought up an image of the CDC uh, mortality charts and said COVID is significantly more lethal than the flu to old people. And yeah. we need to recognize that and treat it properly. For some reason, it's significantly less lethal than the flu exclusively to young people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. That was going against, uh, that was considered medical misinformation. This is yeah. the sort of thing, you know, my wife was pregnant during COVID. We'd go it is against, it, it is medical in, uh, misinformation because if you say all young people are uh, less likely to die from COVID, while that does have a grain of truth, there are people who live in the risk categories um, so it just kind of discounts, you know, by saying we don't need masks, we don't need vaccinations. You're kind of putting those at risk people further at risk of catching COVID and dying from it. So by just blanket statementing that like most uh, young people are going to be fine, we're ignoring people who have their pre-existing conditions that they may may not be fine in. So it's a uh, pretty irresponsible language, I would say. I don't know if it is enough to actually warrant a strike or a ban, but I do want to say that it is a bit of disinformation, sure go into the doctors and we say, gosh, do we need to be worried about this for the baby? Because, you know, flu is actually kind of a big deal if you're pregnant yes. or young. But the doctors, all of them said, no, actually, for whatever reason, COVID is not really a threat to the babies or to pregnant mothers. So you don't need to worry about it as much as you would for something like the flu. I mean, this is not some kooky conspiracy theory. I just went through, I mean, my wife is pregnant with twins right yep, now, right. and I am up in the den in the far wing of the house, like Dracula, like, like Castlevania version yeah. Dracula, you know, where I'm slightly charming, but still a little bit intimidating, and I just emerged from my coffin to do the show and hack into a mug. Yeah. This is, we're going through this right now. We just had that conversation. Mm -hmm. That conversation could result in a strike or a ban. Wow. Now, the final, this is the one that just happened that was the second strike, and again, I- And yet, this video- has not gotten a strike or a ban. And so where is the evidence that saying those things would end up in that form? Because Michael knows co-signed to what they're saying. Crowder said it. Michael knows co-signed on it. And yet this video is still up. Yet Michael Knowles' channel is still up. And yet there is no news that Michael Knowles received a strike for this video. So is there any evidence whatsoever that you would get a strike or ban for saying that? Because you said it. It happened right here, right now. Okay, well. I, you know, we don't have specific answers. Here's, it's one thing to have a rule book, people to understand it, and they break the rules fair ball. You know what I mean? This happens all the time in sports where you go, I don't agree with the call, but okay, it's in the rules. You know, this happens like an MMA. You grab my shorts, you're not allowed, but the ref didn't call it. I have to accept the results. Yeah. That's not what's going on right now. The recent strike was... 
let me be as clear as I'm trying to be as succinct as possible so I don't bore people. Remember the uh, the police officer, uh, the hero who saved a young girl of color in Ohio who was about to be stabbed? No, I, I'm sorry. I only remember the vicious monster who wouldn't even allow that young, wonderful girl to stab the other girl to death and who was imposing right, right, right. his white supremacy on her. Yeah. Yes. Ed Furlong in a bomber jacket. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. Um, no, so we, we talked about this on air, and I said, not only, not only do I think this was a justified shooting, I think it was a necessary shooting of the police officer. I think it'd be an abdication yeah. of duty if you don't shoot someone while they are attempting to penetrate someone's flesh with a knife. Yes. Yeah. Um, I do think it, like, I agree to Crowder with, or with Crowder to an extent, um, but I think that subduing the suspect is much more better than just outright shooting them. Like I've said before with Micaiah Bryant's situation that yes, it's very unfortunate and a tragedy in the way that it uh, had ended, but it does still leave uh, questioning of whether or not police methods are at its optimal. That him pulling out his gun as soon as the fight happened was the only and best option. For Crowder, it was. For me, I'm not sold on it because yes, Micaiah Bryant was trying to stab somebody, um, but you know, answering a possible murder with a murder, uh, it's a, it's a weird gray area in whether or not that's truly justice. Um, I don't think Batman, or at least uh, <laughs> the pre Dark Knight Rises Batman, or the the Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller, uh, the, any other version of Batman would probably disagree that like you know we need to subdue criminals without killing them, lest we become the criminals themselves. And that's uh, a lot with the conversation when it comes to police brutality is how much are police justified in their brutality if it actually makes them very much different from the criminals themselves. So um, I still think that with Micaiah Bryant's case that we can bring cops strategies methods uh, into question and whether or not their their gun should be the only answer, if not the best one. So there's a conversation you can have there still. And this was celebrating, you know, and I, by the way, I make no apologies. Sometimes people go, it's always a tragedy. No, no, look, this is not one of those uh, equivocations. Yeah. Sure, we did wish that people wouldn't lose their lives. But I actually think that once someone has made a decision to put someone else's life in danger, the happy ending as the innocent civilian is saved lawfully by the police officer. Yeah, that of was considered broadly harassment, bullying because of reveling in the death of apparently M- Micaiah Bryant, which, which we did not do. Now, look, people need to understand that as comedians... So that's his framing of it is that, you know, he got striked because he was celebrating Micaiah's death or that he was applauding the police officer for killing Micaiah Bryant. Um, Media matters here. Um, And the thing is, is if you watch Steven Crowder's show, you're going to think, oh, you're using Media Matters. You're a a liberal shill and you shouldn't be taken seriously now because they target Crowder specifically because they they also work for the Democrats, which, you know, they kind of do. But um, this 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 article here is very succinct in itself. Um, Coming from Media Matters, it says here on May 12th, Steven Crowder announced on Twitter that his YouTube channel has been temporarily suspended, noting on his site that the platform had barred his Steven Crowder channel from posting content for two weeks and his Crowder Bits channel from posting content for one week. This is the second time YouTube has suspended Crowder's account in less than two months. 
YouTube put a strike on Crowder's April 21st episode in which he discussed the Columbus, Ohio police shooting of Micaiah Bryant. According to Crowder, YouTube said he violated the platform's policy on harassment, threats, and cyberbullying. That's not what he's saying here, guys. He's saying something completely different. Um, but th this continues. During this episode, Crowder and his crew mocked Bryant for her weight. With Crowder emphasizing how much she weighed and co-host Dave Lando saying that her fifth DoorDash had just shown up. This episode has since been deleted from YouTube. So it wasn't that they were celebrating uh, Micaiah Bryant's death. It was just that they were incredibly insensitive by focusing on Micaiah Bryant's weight and making fun of her weight um, when talking about this segment. So again, I'm not mad that they striked him down for this because it's pretty childish and immature to attack somebody's weight, especially after they had just been killed. Like that's incredibly insensitive. Um, so uh, I, I'm not mad at this. I'm not mad at this, especially since here I agree with Media Matters when it says Crowder's YouTube channel is a cesspool of racism, bigotry, hatred, bullying, and misinformation. In March, YouTube removed a video from Louder with Crowder for violating its COVID misinformation policy. The platform further demonetized Crowder's account, preventing him from earning money from advertisements on the channel. After his first YouTube suspension on March 30th, Crowder announced his intention to evade the ban by using his other channel. Now YouTube has prevented his capacity to do that by temporarily suspending both of his accounts. So let's go into the COVID misinformation policy here to see uh, exactly what co quite possibly that was. YouTube doesn't allow content about COVID-19 that poses a serious risk of egregious harm. YouTube doesn't allow content that spreads medical misinformation that contradicts local health authorities or the World Health Organization medical information about COVID-19. This is limited to content that contradicts who or local health authorities' guidance on treatment, prevention, diagnosis, transmission, social distancing, and self-isolation guidelines, and the existence of COVID-19. Note, YouTube's policies on COVID-19 are subject to change in response to changes to global or local health authorities' guidance on the virus, because those two will also change. So, um, yeah, and then there's even more uh, information here. Um, don't post content on your YouTube if it includes any of the following. Treatment misinformation. Content that encourages the use of home remedies, prayer, or rituals in place of medical treatment, such as consulting a doctor or going to the hospital. Content that claims that there's no guaranteed cure or, or that there is a guaranteed cure for COVID-19. Co content that recommends use of hmm, ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine for the treatment of COVID-19. Claims that uh, iver, iver, man, ivermectin ivernectin or hydrochloroquine are effective treatments for COVID-19, other content that discourages people from consulting a medical professional seeking medical advice. And then there's prevention misinformation, which includes claims that are a guaranteed prevention method for COVID-19, claims that any medication or vaccine is guaranteed to pre uh, prevention method for COVID-19. And the list just goes on. The, the list just goes on and on and on and on. So I don't have any specifics on what exactly was Crowder's uh, over the line here. He's saying that it was that they said that the flu is more likely to uh, kill and infect than um, COVID-19 is. So doo -doo -doo -doo. I actually don't even see any coverage on that from Media Matters. So that's interesting. 
Uh, do, 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 claims that it is not contagious. Uh, claims that it cannot spread certain climates. Do, 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 do. I'm actually not seeing the specific um, thing that says you can't do that. Uh, let's see. Denial that COVID-19 exists. Claims that people have not died or gotten sick from COVID-19. Claims that the virus no longer exists. Claims that the symptoms, death rates, or contagiousness of COVID-19 are less severe or equally as severe as the common cold or seasonal flu. So, yep, there it is. That's it right there. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Yep. And, that, I mean, that's been the mission of the conservative media for a while. So, it's very fascinating that they continually just mark Stephen Crowders and don't go after anybody else. Because it's a problem across the board as a comedian this is a, this is a comedy show there's a difference between when we're joking oh and now it's a comedy show okay about things when we're covering stories that's why we provide our references yeah. but this is this is um not about what we're doing i think a lot of people can sort of you know you look at like alex jones at one point was 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 deplatformed and i disagree with alex jones on a whole lot i didn't think i deserved to be deplatformed i think a lot of people can separate themselves from what they view as extremism look I am basic pumpkin spice latte, basic conservatism, a Christian conservative who came to notoriety because Amy Schumer attacked me for talking about how I wasn't having sex until I was married. And the to me, that's an indictment of how further right the conservative party has moved. But uh, Crowder is using it in the circumstance of how left YouTube has gone, which, again, like I've said, cynical historian who, you know, I think his politics have a left leaning. I'm not 100 percent sure because he usually just gives historical, uh, you know, video essays. Um, his videos are targeted pretty regularly. Some more news, which is also kind of a comedy uh, news outlet, which does have more left-leaning, uh, I would say perspective also gets demonetized. Like, I don't think any of their videos are monetized. So it's not that the YouTube has gone too far left, but I do think that there is a case or argument to be made that the conservative GOP or conservative media pundits have been moving further to the right, which is ultra nationalism, imperialism, anti-immigration, anti-civil rights issues, anti-social justice issues. Um, there's, there's, there's a long list of, uh, uh, issues here that they're taking a more stance of pop, uh, public antagonism than actual public support. These points of view, <laughs> YouTube is saying you cannot say that the science matters that two-year-olds shouldn't mask, yeah. according to the CDC. You cannot say that voter fraud occurs on an individual level and agree with Amy Klobuchar or Elizabeth Warren. You are not welcome to say on our platform, good for you, police officer, for in a fraction of a second, Placing a perfect shot to save someone's life. That is Again, that's not what the strike was for. And also, um, they're saying all of that now on Michael Knowles' video, which is still up on YouTube. So any of this being made for the case that it will get you banned on YouTube has absolutely no evidence to back it up. If they remove us here from YouTube, and we have good reason to believe that they're looking for other potential violations, because these aren't actual violations as far as we know. We really haven't gotten the specificity. This is tantamount to saying... Half the country, your points of view yeah. are not welcome on this platform. I've said it before, and I will always say it again. Conservatives are not half the country. 74, maybe 75 million people voted for Donald Trump. There are over 340 million Americans. 75 million voted for Trump. That is nowhere near half the country. 
yes, that was half, almost half of the election. But even most, like even most of the Democrats or even leftists didn't vote. Eighty-five million isn't even half of the country. So when we're saying that you know Crowder represents half of the country, there again, no evidence to back up this claim whatsoever. There is no extreme. It, it, it would literally have to be one hundred sixty to one hundred seventy million people, which Crowder doesn't even get that many subscribers. <sighs> Not even Fox News gets that many views. I think the most views that's ever happened on Tucker Carlson's show was 4 million. So, you know, when they're always saying half the country, like the conservatives are half the country, it's not true. And there's no evidence to support it. Extremist here. This is really important because I guess the line here that they're pushing is, you know, you, your joke went too far about Makia Bryant. But what you're saying is, no, it's not a joke. I, I made the same point on my show. I said, it, yeah, it's sad. You know, it's sad that this is a fallen world and people do bad things and they face consequences when they do it. But this is a good conclusion when someone is about yes. to be stabbed. It is good that a cop goes in and saves that person's life. There's nothing that, that's a joke about that. And, and the other thing here that I, when I see the coverage Every time you get suspended or they try to deplatform you, you see it in Media right. Matters or any of the other leftist organizations. They'll go out and they'll say far right, extremist, radical right winger Stephen Crowder. And I think, you know, I don't, they're obviously being disingenuous and dishonest when it's Media Matters or Right Wing Watch or any of those other groups. But <laughs> see, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I used Media Matters because they actually document Stephen Crowder to the point where like you have like the specific like you have a transcript of what he says and you have the videos themselves providing and then they back it up with resources as well in the same way that steven crowder's website does and so um it's very funny here that because media matters focuses on uh debunking steven crowder and right wing watch also focuses on keeping an eye on right wing uh influencers that they should not be trusted their opposition and so thus you should hate them and that's why I was a little reluctant to use that Media Matters article earlier, but they're genuinely, cons like, even though they do have uh, Democrat backing, they are very consistent on actually holding right-wing influencers uh, accountable, at least by, you know, naming the uh, the, the acts that they participate in and, the, and watching their behavior. So I do, to an extent, trust Media Matters. I am aware that there is a bit of a leaning to Media Matters where they don't focus in on liberals, and I am guilty of the same exact thing. Um, but that's mainly because there's so much misinformation and disinformation coming from conservative influencers. I bet a lot of other people out there might not realize how pumpkin spice you are. They might not realize, I mean, I, look, I spend yeah. a lot of my day reading far radical leftist content, watching far radical mm -hmm. leftist content and watching far radical right wing content. I mean, really out there stuff. And I'm, and then some stuff in the middle too. <laughs> you are, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny. Cause like me and Michael Knowles are on the same thing. Like the exact same thing is that I watch a good amount of far left stuff and uh far left uh literary content i consume a lot of that but i also do a lot a lot of right-wing stuff and um a very little moderate stuff but that's mainly because the moderates are only there to kind of appease capitalism to a certain extent so i'm not that concerned with them the right wing wants to see uh even more capitalism maybe even a return to the early 19th in or the late 19th century and the early 20th century laissez-faire capitalism and uh 
um, the, the, the left wants to abolish capitalism and see socialism or at least a form of it start being implemented. So those are the more interesting polls to this uh, uh, circus called America. Say this, it's, it's going to sound like an insult almost. You no, are, I understand what you're about to say. You are about as mainstream as it gets. If they go after you, they are, it's not like it's the fringe. And again, that's how much the Overton window is being shifted on the right wing side where Steven Crowder is considered mainstream when he is a very uh, Judeo-Christian, ultra-nationalist, anti-immigration, uh, opposed to social justice. Like all of these things are re reactionary policies on the right wing in order to preserve the status quo, which does uh, kind of feed into the demagoguery of Trump, which was the closest to authoritarianism that we've had since the early 20th century. So with that being said, that really is an indication to me how much the conservative right wing has shifted the Overton window closer to further right wing uh, ideology, such as fascism. Fringe radical right. If they go after right. you and they deplatform you, what they are saying is anyone in this country who identifies as conservative is no longer welcome here. That is exactly what, and, and I hate to, because I don't want to be a martyr. I want to do the show, but this is. And like I've said, it's very ridiculous because Crowder is like, seems to be the only punching bag because Michael Knowles doesn't say, face the same allegations. Uh, not a lot of pundits on uh, Daily Wire do in the same implications as uh, Stephen Crowder. Prager U doesn't face the same allegations. Uh, Fox News doesn't face the same allegations. OAN doesn't face the same allegations. Newsmax, there's a lot of right-wing shit out there. So like this idea of conservatives being censored doesn't have that much evidence back behind it until you have these anecdotal cases that happen every once in a while. And then you make that case and make that argument just because you are being oppressed at that time as it's happening. So like, mm, this is a very weak argument. This program is the biggest conservative program that's ever existed. On, it's ever existed on a new media platform, period. Yeah. Um, certainly on YouTube. Billions of plays. And look, I defy people. Point out to me my most extreme right wing view. Um, let's see. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Today's transgenders are yesterday's transvestites. No, that's a, that's a pretty normal normal uh, conservative view. Oh, here we go. YouTube. Uh, Steven Crowder calls Kenosha shooter Kyle Rittenhouse hero. I would say that's pretty. Uh, it's pretty radical. Uh, mainly because uh, homeboy shot uh, civilians uh, and went out of his way to do so. So here's that clip else that people uh, talk about quite a bit, and I think this matters, people say, well, what, hold on a second, racism, Kyle Rittenhouse, Dylan Roof, these people, why were they arrested by police and not shot? And on its surface, maybe people would think that it makes sense. Mm. And I know, love how the left always says, you know, Republicans are just black and white, we deal in nuance. Well, this one doesn't even, let's deal in the nuance. And by nuance, I mean, look at the video. For starters, so um, let's look at how they were actually arrested. And yeah. by the way, I don't think that we should put Paul, Kyle Rittenhouse in the same uh, same no, breath as no. Dylan Roof and Nicholas Cruz, who was I the, mean, I believe, Parkland shooter. However, let's look at the way these people were arrested and then compare it with Micaiah and see if you can spot the difference. Race has nothing to do with it. So first, awful, horrible person, hope that he rots in disgusting. prison or gets electrocuted. Dylan, Dylan Roof. This is how you Now is the time to buy a Chevrolet Buick. No one's going to make you a better deal. You can get a brand new 2015 Buick Enclave and save up to $6,000. I love the used car commercial. I know. It's yeah. like, uh, we don't want that ad running. 
Walking out. Hey! He looks just like Dante Wright did before he shucked off the female officer. Yeah. I bet this car did sell at quite a discount. Yes. <laughs> there you go. That's how he was arrested. Okay. Now I'm going to get into the legality of it after we show you this. Now we have Nicholas Cruz. Was he the, was he the park? Yeah, but it's a different circumstance than Micaiah Bryant. Like, Micaiah Bryant, like, I don't even think the officer, when arrived on the situation, had known who was really guilty of what crime. And then uh, Micaiah Bryant and her friend at the time had an overreaction and proceeded to assault somebody while the police officers were there. So it's a completely different situation. Dylan Roof was thriving off of the martyrdom. Like, um, a lot of them will probably, you know, a lot of them, you know, uh, mass shooters have shot themselves before and still receive the same martyrdom in, in, in a lot of these forums like 8chan. But even getting yourself arrested by the state and having the trial go viral and you, you know, announcing on national TV that you're not sorry about what you've done, a lot of that has to deal with the public image of martyrdom. And so... Roof giving himself back without resistance um, isn't the same exact case as uh, Micaiah Bryant. So, Parkland shooter or uh, new? I, I think it was, was Nicholas Cruz. I believe it was. I think it's Parkland. I don't know. We can look I, it up. Yeah. I'm yeah, looking sure. out. Let's look it up. But the names run. To, for people yeah, out it was Parkland. It was Parkland. Parkland. Oh, okay, yeah. Just check David Hogg. He's been living off of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just check the inscription on his non-existent pillows. <laughs> But they're good pillows. Yeah, they're good. Pillows. They're good. Good's in the title. If you stick your head in them, they're bulletproof. Yes. Oh boy. And cover a mouth guard. Give it a shot, <laughs> Mr. Hawk. Here's Nicholas Cruz. Here's how he was arrested. That's him laying on the ground. Is that his house? I don't believe so. I was gonna say. That looks like an apartment complex. Oh yeah, you're right. He's almost as inert as Joe Lewis. Look, hands behind the back. They ran right up. Boom. Arrested. There's no. And again, he's also like more than guilty for his crime. So there's there's a again a little bit of difference going on here. No resisting arrest. Okay, there you go. That's enough. People can see it now. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, or as I call him, a hero. Hero. You shoot one pedophile, you're a hero. Legend. <laughs> you shoot a couple, you're a legend. Uh the thing is, though, is that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse shot him before anybody knew that he had the that that guy had pedophilia charges or a conviction. So, uh, you know, you can applaud him for shooting a pedophile if you want. Uh, but Kyle Rittenhouse didn't shoot him because he was a pedophile. So it's it's weird to praise him for that. Um, no, this was, yeah. this was Kyle Rittenhouse was it very be legal to hunt them. Let's be honest. <laughs> Come on. Hunt pedophiles. Oh, I would watch the show. Just put all right um hmm it this might be a hot take here but i'm not sold on the idea that we should just murder pedophiles um i'm not sure what the psychology is of somebody who uh rapes and molests children um but i definitely think we should take a much more humane approach and try to understand these human beings uh, rather than hunting them down because they have a sexual orientation that harms others. Um, it is, you know, it's egregious. Those acts shouldn't be uh, happening and they should face consequences for scarring children traumatically. Um, but I don't think it's a justification to outright murder them. So put Ted Nugent in a chopper. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, bow hunting? We got Every one. Tuesday on Fox, Nugent Hutt's pedophile. <laughs> I might get canceled for that. I see so many posts online of people who are just ready to beat the shit and kill pedophiles. 
Um, I just don't think that's really going to stop the cycle of violence, nor is it going to deter people from being pedophiles. Um, I'm not sure how much of a personal choice being a pedophile actually is. I know our personal actions have a lot more to do with choice, but your attraction, uh, that takes a little bit more psychology for me to understand uh, more psychology than I actually have. So I'm not going to dive into that too much, but it's very weird how, you know, if somebody crosses a line into uh, behavior or action that we don't agree with and in fact does cause harm on other human beings that we're just so ready to outright kill them. Um, that's just that's just our humanity, I guess. To kill a predator. Hey, he just has his little one liners. Have a seat there for a minute. Jury to the center of your mind just bullet rips through a guy's head. Yeah. Pedophiles, by the way. Pedophiles. Pedophiles. Yes. Or a salon calls them contributing editors. Yes. So, um, <laughs> Kyle Rittenhouse, of course, not a mass shooter. This is no. the guy who was there cleaning up graffiti and people tried to steal his gun and shoot him. And people say, well, why wasn't he shot on the spot? Well, again, let's see if you can see a through. Kyle Rittenhouse was one murder away from uh, being marked as a mass shooter. Uh, it's usually four, four or more victims that is classified by a mass shooter. So he was only one uh, victim away from doing so. But not all of them were pedophiles. And he was there protecting a car lot that was already destroyed. And the owner of that car lot or car dealership said he did not want the Kenosha guard there. And then after realizing that there was really not much for them to do, they went to a gas station. And at the gas station, that's when most of the events transpired, to which this day we're not really sure of all the facts as to why Kyle Rittenhouse was chased down by the first individual with a bag before turning around and shooting him in the head. So, um, still a lot more information to come out before we can classify him as a hero, but since he shot at BLM activists and uh, protesters on the side of uh, Jacob Blake who were there to... Uh, ensure or pr apply public pressure that Jacob Blake had a uh, justified trial and the officer who shot him in the back seven times also faced accountability. Um, they're praising Kyle Rittenhouse for shooting at those people because they don't agree with them politically. Th that to me is a very radical view. Line here with how these people were arrested. Hint, it's not race. Here's Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, he did reach, though. I do think that Kyle Rittenhouse did the right thing by trying to turn himself in immediately. I think the Kenosha police uh, should be reprimanded for not uh, doing anything about him and uh, basically just passing by as he admitted to shooting people. That's, uh, that's a very big shame on the part of the Kenosha police. He did reach, but right now they're talking to him. Hands are up. But he did kill a pedo. He did kill a pedo. All right, there you go. You guys pretty much get it. Then he backed up from the police car. He also killed somebody who wasn't a pedo. So, again, making apologetics because he killed a pedophile that we learned was a pedophile after the fact. Um, not okay. Put his gun down. At that point, it's more yeah. important to hold your hands up until they tell you to put the gun down because it's strapped on you. Right. Um, and then finally, we have Micaiah Bryant. Who obviously rushed a woman while brandish, brandishing, stabbing, holding <laughs> yeah. a knife. So I how feel was she... like though, if he, if he was shot right there, Kyle Rittenhouse, you wouldn't find it unjustifiable. With his hands up and a gun. Yeah. No, if he was shot like by the Kenosha 
police, I would I would condemn that action as well. Like Kyle Rittenhouse had his hands up. He was surrendering himself. He was actually doing the right thing at that moment. And so if the guard, if the police had shot him, I feel like I would condemn that. I'm pretty sure it would be an unjustified killing of a, a, of a person. Um, but if, ugh, we're really stretching here. We're really stretching here, guys. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah. When he reached down like that. Well, well he, with his left hand, he reached to kind of push. Yeah, he the put gun. the gut. Bu- uh, the well, butt that of the doesn't gun. matter. Well, well, I was adjusting put, put the knife. Way. Put it's it this rifle. way. I can understand people <laughs> saying that. However, we don't have any comparable scenario where someone was shot literally just for this. None of these ones that we've seen. So what's important That's to true. bring it to the. Yeah, yeah. Except for Michael Brown, whose death inspired the chant at these protests. Hands up. Don't shoot. And it didn't come from uh, Michael Brown. It actually came from the citizens who saw Michael Brown murdered. So if you guys can use your brain to look back far enough to 2014, that's where it came from. Michael Brown had his hands up and was shot subsequently. So let's get over the bullshit, guys. Yeah, the control. I can't think of one situation comparable, and it's because they believe in a worldview that Michael Brown did not have his hands up, that he charged at the police officer, and the police officer was rightfully so executing him. Which, again, the evidence provided is that he shot him while he was on his knees in the head. Michael Brown was already going down from the shots that the police officer had already hit with him with with his hands up, and then proceeded to shoot him in the head as he fell to the ground. But that's not the worldview that Steven Crowder buys into, and that's why he can't remember a comparable situation. Group. Let's go to I'm Micaiah. I'm just in, in a devil's ad. But... No, I totally appreciate it. Here's Micaiah. See if you can spot the difference. Hint, it's not melanin. I'm not, I'm not going to play that video. I don't want to see Micaiah Bryant killed again. So we're going to move back to the other video. But there's an extreme view, in my own personal opinion, praising Kyle Rittenhouse as a hero without sufficient amount of details and praising him as a hero just because he shot a pedophile who we found out was a pedophile after the fact. Okay, cool. But ending the drug war? Yeah. What, heartbeat bills for abortion? <laughs> a flat tax? Yeah. Non-interventionism, unless our country's security is at stake. Uh, yeah, these are all like libertarian views, um, you know, and which is kind of becoming more mainstream conservative as it goes on. Like the mainstream GOP is slowly turning into the Tea Party. Um, but it's it's so weird too that they would say uh, end nas- or foreign intervention unless it threatens national security. Which is like the exact kind of vague language that the United States government has been doing to intervene in so many nations without even real evidence that it's a threat to the national security. And then when they do provide evidence, it's either lackluster or it's straight up lies. Like if we don't remember how we got into the Iraq war, which was fed through like tons of lies, then we're just lying to ourselves, which Crowder is just lying to the rest of us now. Free open markets where pe- people have to be transparent. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't point to any radical points of view. What I what I would say is what they probably try and say is, well, we didn't like the way you said it. You praised a vigilante for killing three people during a protest. That is uh, that that's some like severe alt right shit. Like that's some shit that the Texas KKKK would would be proud of. That's 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 that shit. That's some shit that the Aryan nations would be proud of or three percenters or Patriot Prayer or Proud Boys. All of these militia right wing groups that are not quite GOP mainstream. 
but unless you consider Marjorie Taylor Greene as mainstream, then they probably are now. But um, yeah, praising Kyle Rittenhouse like that, that's that's extreme. And the only thing, this didn't come from, from uh, YouTube as far as I know. People were mad because they said, well, you, you joked about Makai Bryant being overweight. First off, maybe I did, but the statement. There it is. There it is. <laughs> he finally gets back around to the truth. <laughs> and then he says, maybe I did. Can we roll the clip? Jamie, pull that if up. If he didn't do anything and she died, they'd be pissed off about that. Yeah, right. This well, isn't this is people balance, looking for violence. They have to balance saving the black lady's life in the pink in the pink uh, sweatsuit or taking the life. If the cop did nothing while Micaiah Bryant shot everybody or I mean stabbed people, then he that cop would like lose his job. It's not a left right thing. The fact like if he let somebody die, not that he had to shoot Micaiah, if he was able to subdue Micaiah without shooting her, then we wouldn't really have a problem whatsoever. Everybody would be fine because nobody had to die that day. But if he did nothing, the left wouldn't be mad because he let a bra a black girl die. Everybody would be mad because because he refused or did not keep the peace, which is his job. So while like the left is causing a stir because he shot somebody rather than thinking of alternative methods that may have reduced the suffrage to nobody dying, um, that's just the that's just the situation that we're at. The fact that as soon as the fight broke out, he went immediately to his gun. Before she actually went to stab somebody, his gun was already pulled out ba based off of the fight just breaking out. And he has a baton. He has a taser. The fact that they don't carry rubber bullets on them consistently, even though that, too, is a less than lethal, yet still lethal kind of uh, 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 deterrent. Um, you know, he has pepper spray. There's multiple tools on their gadget belt, and yet the gun was the first thing he brought out as soon as the fight broke. So I, I just I don't really want to hear how justified the killing was. I want to hear whether or not cops methods are justified. Of the granted only 16, but 230 pounds, which is a whole other problem that we'll get to in a second. <laughs> 230. Yeah. There we go. Here we go. Like immediately into this video, 13 seconds in, he's making fun of her weight. He said, maybe I did. Town girl swinging a bladed weapon yeah. set she would have stabbed that girl the only question is would it have been a fatal stabbing okay yeah look yeah, like it was bullet. going to the gut yeah this is why police bullet officers have off. guns like couldn't you use a taser look this is one thing people don't understand about a taser okay you want to know why a taser isn't the best option picture picture a gun okay mm -hmm. only the bullets are non-lethal and you've got one shot that's a taser yeah. That's a taser. In a scenario like that, they miss all the time. When a lady is actively stabbing, right? A call is, this girl has a knife. She's getting kind of stabby. Yeah, he's got a taser, but it's also funny that we don't have any, like, you know, hand methods. That he couldn't use, uh, like, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. We don't train our cops sufficiently enough in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which I don't know if we really want to do since... Uh, Eric Gardner was killed with a chokehold, so I'm not sure that we want to train cops how to people put people in proper chokeholds um but like you know krav maga being a self-defense type of fighting style um what, what's the other one that, that 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 guy uses in uh walking dead um oh man it's 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 skipping my brain uh aikido we could we could possibly teach them Aikido, which is uh, mainly focused on using uh, your body in self-defense. So, like, you know, saying that a gun is the most efficient and best way to subdue criminals, again, is just apologetics for murdering uh, before trial. So 
She's in a little bit of a stabby, uh, stabby state of mind. Yeah. Okay. Call the cops. You show up. She is currently winding up to stab somebody. That is why police have guns. And that is exactly when they are required to shoot. Right now, you're going to have officers afraid to shoot people mid-stab. Is that the country that you want? No, no, not at all. And by the way, yes. all of the things that lead up to this <laughs> don't matter. I hope it works out it that way. <laughs> Thank you, Dick. I mean, I feel like cops should be afraid to shoot in general. The loss of life is just like there's no reason that we should be having loss of life in a lot of in a lot of areas. So, like again, I would like it more if our cops had better ways to subdue uh, suspects without killing so many. I have a plan. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Move on. It doesn't matter if she called the cops. It doesn't matter if she was the one being attacked. None of that matters the moment that you run out and start attacking one girl and then go for another one with a knife in your hand. None of that matters anymore. No. Your age doesn't matter. What was happening a minute ago doesn't matter. You're about to try to kill somebody and you need to be stopped. Yeah. I'm threatening done. somebody else's done. life. I had a little cousin who chased me around the kitchen. He was five years old with a knife because he had parents who didn't spank him enough. You shoot and him? He's like, ah! oh. And I freaked out. I going, ah! Somebody should shoot that I, kid. You know, I, I disarmed him. I slapped him around a little bit. But the yeah. point, it was very scary. Weird that he didn't have to shoot the kid. Weird. <laughs> For about six seconds, anyone can hurt someone else with a knife. Yeah. Absolutely. And look at what happened. I mean, uh, the reality is, is the girl's being stabbed. She called the police. There's a lot of stuff going on. The other girl's fifth door dash had just shown up. <laughs> it was a real mess. <laughs> there it is again. Two minutes in. I am here to make a delivery. It's a lot of confusion. Oh, oh moves no. like a gazelle for that kind of weight. There it is again at 2 minutes and 11 seconds. Sorry if you're mad, but no, seriously, she, she was stabbing someone. Yeah. Yeah, but just because somebody was committing a crime doesn't mean we have to go out of our way to make fun of their weight. Um, but you can, I guess, but she's dead. She's a 16-year-old who's dead, and you're going out of your way to make fun of her weight. Just comes off a bit insensitive. Stabbing. Can we she's, just not she, stab she's like the fact that like we we can't be saddened by the loss of life because that person was threatening like I don't know it's it there's it, like I, I I don't know there's there's so much psychology to go into this as well that I feel like we really um do ourselves a disservice by just saying it's okay that Micaiah Bryant died it's it I I just feel that it's um careless like an old foreman you know what i mean she's like doesn't look the same but she's got that power <laughs> yeah, she, she can still throw that overhand yeah. knife mm. okay and by the she way, named all her kids george yeah she named all her kids george <laughs> um uh, hit the notification bell by the way if you're subscribed because subscriptions don't necessarily work and the notification bell lets you know when things go up but it's monday through thursday yeah. uh every morning at 10. okay yeah. now here is something else though too it doesn't matter what the truth is the mother went on record describing the daughter as uh mostly peaceful Micaiah had a motherly nature about her. She promoted peace. And that's something that I want to always be remembered. And to administer justice, I'll sacrifice a rooster. <laughs> <laughs> Making fun of her uh, appearance. So that's cool. And then they're going into their meter, media matters moment where they zoom in on his face. Just proving how hard they're trying to, like, get uh, the outrage from liberals and YouTube and Media Matters so that they can get even more attention as, vic uh, as victims of the oppression. And then they can promote their conservatism as some form of radical resistance. All right. 
I don't need to give them a second one today. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, they don't deserve it. Well, they should that enjoy it. Enough. They've helped destroy the country. Yes. So good work, guys. Good work. We appreciate it. I hope you. you're on the receiving end of it one day. Yeah. Well, they don't have no. any money. All right. So, yeah, four uh, jokes of Micaiah Bryant's weight in three minutes and 20 seconds. That's Crowder's episode that I made was at this time people need to understand at this moment in history when we went out there and we did this stream for example LeBron James had just tweeted out you're next to mm -hmm. this police officer and the Hashtag story was a police officer showed up Makai Bryant called the police and he showed up and shot her that was it and she didn't have a knife so we had to correct it and it was a 16 year old girl and I said look this isn't a 15 this is a 230 pound woman who was mid-step and that matters that matters. I don't remember if it was Joe Lewis. It might have been Marvin Hagler who said, listen, the size of someone matters regardless of age. He said, I remember he was talking about, I think it might have been Marvin Hagler. I could be wrong. Or he was about to fight someone who they thought was a stepping stone. And they said, what are you saying to people who say your opponent doesn't have a shot? He said, it's a 200-pound man. I don't care who you are. A 200-pound man hits you. He has a shot. Yeah. And that's what matters. It is very relevant. Yes, It's relevant in how police approach it, just like it's relevant how the immune system of a four-year-old reacts differently to a novel virus than a 64-year-old. And people tell us that we need- I mean, that's amazing. He's basically making the case that like, if somebody weighs 200 pounds or more, then we can shoot them because it'd be too hard to subdue them peacefully. That's, that's the case he's making here. We need to follow the science. We need to follow the truth. Well, where are your sources? Uh, Rachel Maddow, New York Times. We always try to be as transparent as possible. And it's, look, could I go off and, and do something like Mug Club? Sure, there are ways to make a living when you're not on these platforms. And I hope that there's no- Like being funded by billionaires. Like your 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 parent company is Blaze TV, funded with Glenn Beck's money. And Glenn Beck may not be a billionaire, but he has plenty of other benefactors who are interested in keeping his pro propaganda machine alive and well. So like, you know, and they also have a ton of Mug Club subscribers and they have for a long time now. They never really needed YouTube's advertisement money, which is usually not too much. So um, he's not suffering by any means. Alternative at some point where people in the future can make a living, but... I started this in 2009. I started YouTube in 2006. I started doing political videos in 2008 or 2009 with a blue bedsheet in my den. There was no money. Okay, there yeah. were no conservatives. Now, I know there's been sort of a, a meme factory sort of oh people talking about- Oh my God, there were no conservatives. Like Fox News hasn't been around since, uh, what was it, like the 80s? Maybe even a little bit earlier than then? Like, come on. All right, this was long before that. Now this is a business, I'm soon to be a father of two with 12 people, 12 to 15 people who I employ depending on the day, depending on the interns who are here. And um, I don't know that there can ever be another young Steven Crowder coming up. I don't know that there can ever be another Rush Limbaugh because the entire town square, yeah. the entire digital town square is controlled by effectively three companies, Facebook, you know, Google Alphabet, uh, YouTube, and Twitter. And certainly then if you include Amazon and Apple who also control the app stores and the ability to even get a competing application up there, I don't know if if you're not allowed to say, hey, officer, not even blanket back the blue. Hey, officer, thanks for saving that girl's life and shooting uh, that that woman while she was trying to stab her. If you're not allowed to say that on YouTube, I don't see how anyone could censor themselves to come up and uh, and, and carry the torch behind us. And, and that's really what is scary to me. And by the way, again, they're doing that thing where like, if I say this, we'll get banned or striked. And yet they're saying it without getting banned or striked. So um, nobody's saying that Crowder. 
Um, it's just merely on the insensitiveness of the way you went about reporting on that. But you'll claim, oh, we're a comedy show. We have to make jokes. As if those jokes weren't lowbrow and tasteless. Wait, let's say now you're just going to do your show. It's only going to be Mug Club. It's all going to be private. You, you'll go onto some private website. And, and by the way, they'll try to shut that down too, just like they shut Parler off of Amazon Web Services. But then let's say, okay, right. you find some other server and you're going to host it. And that's great. And you're going to be on, you know, Stephen Crowder's special secret mug club.club.mug.org or whatever. And they can't right. get at you. Okay. It is simply the case that even if you bring over a huge portion of your audience, that is going to be ghettoizing your extremely mainstream conservative content. And so you're going to, you'll get, you'll get to keep some right. of your viewers. But by the way, the, the whole point of YouTube or these other social media platforms that have gotten a critical mass and now control the flow of information around the internet is discovery. So sure, maybe you right. get to eke out a living and maybe some of your most diehard fans who can follow you and keep track of all this stuff and they're very tech savvy, they'll follow you, but <laughs> it's okay. The big Yeah, you have to be so tech savvy to go to, to louderwithcrowder.com and sign up for a Mug Club subscription. You have, to, you, you, you have to be able to write in code to be able to figure that out. Blob, the liberal establishment's right. fine with that because no, no one else is going to discover you and they'll keep their control over the information. It's not true. Like the, cause like the fact that like people who still remain on YouTube can bring up Crowder whenever they want like, he can still have exposure. Maybe it's not as much as exposure as just being in the algorithm in general, but it's exposure nonetheless. And then they personally get warped into his uh, echo chamber where they're subscribed specifically to him. So, um, I don't know. He's not suffering by any means. They just get upset when they can't have the maximized amount of, uh, viewership, which, uh, I guess you can get mad about, mad at that about, but, um, conservatism doesn't offer nuance or anything new. So I don't care. <laughs> and then they'll go and write New York Times columns bitching about an echo chamber, right? They'll say, we need to stop the radicalization. So you got rid of the guy who wrote about not having sex until marriage. You got rid of the guy who said, you know what? Uh, actually, you already yeah. do have to pass a background check to uh, legally purchase a firearm. You got rid of the guy who said, I come from a country where we don't have a First Amendment, and so the First Amendment is really important to me, and defended liberals who I do not like and their right to speak freely. You got rid of that, like you said, basic mainstream, basic concern. For two weeks, Crowder, you'll be back next week. You'll be fine. Conservatism, right? Seasonal Starbucks. Um, <laughs> and then you complain about an echo chamber, whereas yeah. people who... Don't believe that. Which also that same echo chamber, like the YouTube algorithm, if you watch Michael Knowles, you'll get a recommendation for Steven Crowder. The more right wing content you consume, the more it actually offers up to you. And there's actually like a lot of interesting interviews from people who used to work on YouTube's algorithm and how that would contribute to the alt right pipeline. So, um, yeah, there's there's definitely uh, enough evidence to make the case that the algorithm itself on YouTube actually pushes people into an echo chamber. Um, so yeah, echo chambers are a problem. Yeah. That the police should exist at all, nor, yeah. po nor prison systems exist 
at all. And that's like a misframing of the position because like I just don't think prisons should exist in the form that they are in now. I think they're inefficient and outdated and represent a an very old form of slavery and tend to strip away rights uh for even the minimalist of crimes, such as nonviolent ones. Um, and then as far as the police goes, they're always misframing that they just want to abolish the police and that's it. There's just no more police in America. There's no such thing as law enforcement. And uh, that's a misrepresentation as well, because, of course, we need a law enforcement so long as we have laws. And uh, we're just usually from my position as a leftist, I would argue that we need to start restart the foundations to build it on the idea of protecting a community with members of the community rather than protecting property with people who do not necessarily live within the community. So our model of policing needs to be abolished and replaced with a new model of policing and the same thing with the private prisons. We don't want to just abolish these things and then have nothing to replace them. And that's kind of the predicament that the left really has right now is that we want alternatives, but we don't have anything to offer in the form of alternatives. So there's a lot of actual infrastructure building to be done on the left in order to provide those alternatives and make the case why it's a better alternative than the status quo. So uh, Crowder's just misframing the, the argument here. Oh, you're taking French? No, I'm taking United States representatives in Rashida Tlaib, in Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, in Ilhan Omar, people who Joe Biden has praised. These are mainstream leftists, and they hold far more extreme views. Yeah. Far more extreme views. Um, and it's just ironic to me that then they complain about an echo chamber. But really, look, I've always said this before, is, is when they demonetize us, everyone else made a big deal about that. And I said, I don't care. Obviously, I care. No, no. I'm I'm pretty sure you went on Ben Shapiro's show to talk about how unfair it was. Right. Yeah. I run a business and it does and it hurts everybody here. But I say if you, you don't have to uh, YouTube, they don't have to pay us for the content. Now, that being said, sometimes ads were run anyway. I'm like, well, someone's making some money. Yeah. Also, I've run ads on YouTube and they say, well, advertisers don't want to be associated with your content. And I go, hold on a second. When I run ads, I can't run my videos as ads on the kind of content I would like to sponsor. Yeah. You preclude me as both an advertiser and you preclude me. As a content creator, who are these? Who are these people making? Well, they have three different sets of standards. They have community guidelines. YouTube's the one making money. Like my videos don't get uh, monetized whatsoever, um, and also the what? Like if you don't have the YouTube Premium subscription, then there's probably still ads attached to my content, which I get absolutely no kickback for. YouTube makes that money because people are buying ad space in YouTube itself. But since I am not eligible for monetization because of the content that I produce, I do not receive any kickback for that. So I really don't even know what Crowder's truly really bitching about here because it's kind of a thing for everybody. Okay. Yeah. This is determined by YouTube, which is if you're bullying, harassing, you know, I just think it should be the actual speech code laws if you're breaking the law. That's yeah. how simple it should be. Then they have uh, advertiser-friendly yeah. guidelines. Yeah, but the First Amendment has protected hate speech, which a lot of people have had a problem with for a while. But um, companies don't have to uphold that. Like in the same way with my bar example is that if you're using a bunch of racist racist slurs at a bar, the patrons want you to leave, the bartender and the owner of the establishment agree, you get 86 bada boom, bada bing, you can't take it to the Supreme Court and argue that it's not right for you to get kicked out of that bar for using your free speech. Because it's company policy and company policy is uh, exempt from the First Amendment ruling. So...
Yep. Well, who determines that? Well, we know it's not really the advertisers. Certainly not me. I've advertised. You're an ad- I'm an advertiser, right? Yeah, yeah. We've never been polled. Mm-hmm. So that's also determined by YouTube. And then there's a third category now, borderline content, which isn't a violation of policy, but they have other think tanks and organizations and strategic business partners who determine if something is borderline. And that's where this rests. And from what I understand, they said, well, you didn't violate the guidelines per se, but in totality, maybe there's a pattern of whatever it is, LGBTQ, AAIP, or, yeah. or racism or something, you know, because this is a new thing, by the way. I don't know if you know this. We've always known that, you know, for example, blackface, horrible. You don't do blackface. That's something you shouldn't do. That's not new. We've, ever since we've grown up, we know white people don't do blackface. There's no argument about that. Trudeau, notwithstanding, that's his raison d'etre. Trudeau, yeah. Blackface or of- <laughs> Northam. Northam would be another one. Or Joy Behar yeah. or uh, Jimmy Howard Kimmel. Stern. Or, yeah. But, but I guess we don't do it, is what you're saying. No, we know <laughs> that you don't do it. But what's very new is you can't do an impression of someone who happens to be black. Really? Well, that's very new. Really? You've had white people. Yeah, they go, you're doing black voice. Black voice. What? Yeah, black voice. I mean, I was just watching a show, Life and Times of Tim, on H- one of my favorite shows. It's a white guy playing a black female hooker on the show. It's a voice. Yeah. That's what they switch out of poo. So now they try and say retroactively, well, this is, now this is racist. You can't do a lisp because it might be mocking LGBT. They just keep changing the rules <laughs> back as though it's the same as using the N-word or blackface. And it's not. He Like I said, he called Carlos Maza a lispy queer, like on multiple occasions. So it's not just impersonating. And then here's the video in case. Like, I remember when Crowder dropped this, and it's extremely racist. So brace yourselves. Joe, uh, former Vice President Joe Biden. Of course. His America Rescue Plan includes farmer... Now, what does that mean? Ah. It means, and I don't know where you find this many farmers of color, uh, but they did. And 5.2 billion (laughs) are being allocated exclusively for colored farmers. Farmers of color! Farmers of color! Roll the tape! We begin today's show looking at a major provision in President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill that aims to address decades of discrimination against black, Hispanic, Native American, and Asian American farmers who've historically been excluded from government agricultural programs. The American Rescue Mm. Plan sets aside $10.4 billion for agriculture support and allocates about half the funds to farmers of color who are, quote, subjected to racial or ethnic prejudice because of their identity as members of a group, unquote. The U.S. Commission on Civil Rights confirmed as long ago as 1965 the U.S. Department of Agriculture discriminated against black farmers, but little was done to address the problem. A hundred years ago? Yeah, uh, most happy about the... Seventy years ago, but of course, like... We, we we should never take a hundred years ago into historical content because that will have nothing to bear on intergenerational wealth, especially on rural farm areas. So we should actually ignore any historical context coming from the 1965 because there's no way that affects anybody living now as if there's not grandparents and parents who grew up from those times. What a weird contention to make. The new policy, these people. So, yeah. I'm going to oh. buy a plow, man. <laughs> I'm going to plant that corn. Go get a John Deere. So, also, they put up a caricature of that one painting of, like, the, the farming couple, but then they proceeded to put, like, one dude who has a bandana, sunglasses, and showing his grill, and then the other one is wearing a ski mask. Um, they're very obviously black, but this is an uh, this is like a racist caricature. Like, this is the same... Like, honestly, it's on the same level as, like, drawing 
a like you know a really black character with large lips like that you know stereotype from like the early 1900s that he just did here real quick and then proceeded to follow it up with black voice Barack Obama mother I'm the president of plowing that ad you I thought the last thing they would want to do was be farmers. Wasn't that a big problem yeah. for hundreds yeah. of years? Yeah. Isn't that why Arsenio yeah. Hall called himself the urban man's Johnny Carson? I think so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Are people, are people lining up out in the middle of Cornfield, Iowa for new dunks? Uh, how would you prove this, by the way? Like, how would you prove yeah. that you've been discriminated against? You don't against? have to. You just Well, I didn't say, get that loan. Like, Sir, you had no credit. Well, that should not have stopped me from getting the loan. Uh, I planted a Hennessy tree. <laughs> But it's not growing. Well, I, well, technically it did grow, but that shit ain't XO. Mm-mm. I put it in the ground. <laughs> I planted a VSOP XO tree. I'm getting in some niche esoteric cognac humor, motherfucker. Don't um, white people just go to their neighborhoods and build urban farms and ruin their <laughs> yeah. Yes. Isn't that what how it works? In Detroit. Like, yeah. Turns out the, uh, the 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 soil content is a high level of meth. Yeah, crazy. Oh, Whoa. Wow, I didn't know. That and teeth. Just There's random teeth that, that littered teeth. everywhere. And uh, by the way, pain in my arugula. Yes. I don't think I don't think you've shown anyone quarterback. You did all oh, this yeah. for the set. Oh, yeah. Wow. Look, look. Oh, look at, oh, look at that. Do your job. Quarter. So that's amazing. Um, Crowder didn't talk about any issues as to why that policy would be a problem or any evidence historically as to, you know, maybe why they didn't get the loans. He didn't attack the argument, the policy legislation. He didn't do anything substantial of what was actually going on. He just straight up attacked black people. Like, that's that whole thing was just attacking that do black farmers even exist? And if they do, why isn't their soil just like 90% meth? Like, come on. It's so obvious, and yet it's just not in his white supremacist mind. And I think that people need to be very clear about that. And to be clear about it, you just need to be able to, it's not hard. Well, there's a there's a historical connotation with blackface and minstrel shows. The N-word was created from the ground up to oppress. It's not because we view the world through the lens of oppressor and the oppressed. It's because the word was designed to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> because they looked at a world in the mind of an oppressor to the oppressed. Like that that was a thing that happened throughout history and we still have that in regards into other forms. So, mm, like just the ignorance here. Just a major amount of ignorance, massive. Other words have been changed and morphed and reappropriated so that there's a a a war against language. And uh, so, so my issue, sorry, to go back to the point here, again, well, no, I'm actually, sick, this, so this is this, head. This brings up an, actually a pretty important point, though, because I remember when they canceled Aunt Jemima, they said, you know, Aunt Jemima is <laughs> racist. And I said, well, actually, because she's a black... Nobody canceled Aunt Jemima. Like, the company decided to change Aunt Jemima without public pressure. Same thing with Uncle Ben. I was like, oh, it's weird that they're deciding to do that, but okay, I don't care. Black woman. I said, well, you can't have black women on products now. They say, no, it's because uh, that, that woman is offensive. I said, well, you know, it was a black model who portrayed Aunt Jemima. They said, it's yeah. really great that he's just arguing against a straw man in front of Steven Crowder. Like there's a person here that he can have rapport with. But of course, we always have to frame the arguments of the left for the left in order to destroy the left. But again, like they changed it of their own volition. Like Dr. Seuss wasn't canceled either. The publication company decided to stop producing those books. It's the same case here. Yeah, but that was, she didn't realize how oppressive it was. And I said, I looked up and I said, well, actually, you know, it was a black comedian 
who created the character Aunt Jemima, Billy Kersans, who was a minstrel right. performer. But he wasn't a white guy in blackface. He was a black guy. He was the writer who popularized this character Aunt Jemima. So now you've got right. some, some 27-year-old, almost certainly, I don't have evidence of this, but I, I'd bet the farm on it, a white chick working in some marketing department in the, the company that owns Aunt Jemima saying yeah. that we need to cancel a black actress, a black character, and a black writer because it would be offensive to black people that she's feeling on behalf as a white woman. There you go. It's, he finally gets a little bit closer to the truth, but still imagines a uh, straw man in the form of a white woman in marketing. Um, so there's not any, he even said there's no evidence that could, that supports this claim, but he kind of gave away the, the show there is that like, this wasn't a leftist mob or anybody going out of their way to cancel Aunt Jemima. It was an internal issue that the company decided to do. So, um, yeah, we're just kicking sand here, just kicking a bunch of dirt. Like, why isn't anybody mad about this? And it's like, who cares? It's a bottle of syrup. And not only that, we've said, hey, white people who, by the way, were the largest consumers of Aunt Jemima, you're not allowed to be comforted by a Southern black lady, which, by the way, it was the reason it was marketable is because there were enough white people in this country who thought that was appealing and thought Aunt Jemima was likable, that it was it was comfort food. You, if you're a racist, you don't have Aunt Jemima on your table. You don't. But guess what? If you're a racist, yeah. you never have to see Aunt Jemima on your table again. <laughs> Win one for the racists. <laughs> and the issue, so the issue here, to, I mean, I look, I feel like I'm living in a parallel universe here. And uh, and that's because you are, and that's because conservatives are. They have to kind of conjure up their own reality in, in, uh, like in order to garner enough support. Um, that's that's literally their shtick. We are living in a parallel reality where there's everybody else and the conservatives, at least in America. Um, I'm sure in other places where they have a diverse selection of ideology and philosophy that it's probably not parallel in at least multiple timelines. But uh, here in America, I mean, leftists and liberals don't agree on everything. Like, you know, liberals are more apt to support Biden, you know, without much criticism whatsoever, whereas the left is pretty critical. Um, but uh, it's not quite a divergence as much as the conservative worldview. Uh, Whitlock, actually, Jason Whitlock made the point. He said, I think the reason that people like myself or people like you get in trouble where people say that's racist because there is not even a shred of racism. When there's no shred of racism in your personal life, yeah. you feel free to communicate authentically. You're not worried about the landmines because I mean, we have, I mean, in this office alone, we have what we have four Asians. We have a biracial, we have, uh, we yeah. have Colombians. Four and a half, pretty right? sure we have, yeah. we have pretty sure we have two gays, but I don't want to out them here. Um, <laughs> we have, we have people who didn't even speak the language until a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, this is a really surprisingly diverse office place, and it's not even an issue. So the issue here with, with YouTube, though, is I didn't care about the demonetization because I was saying, you don't have to pay me if you, that, that, that's fine. Yeah. Let us know. What I mean, that's the same case that they're always making with like police departments. How can police departments be racist when they have like a, what is it, a 20% black population? Like, yeah, so? The, like, you don't think black people can't be racist? You don't think that the Asians can be racist you don't think that your uh gay people can't be homophobic because oddly enough dave rubin opposes a lot of homosexual and transgender rights so um yeah i don't it's it's a it's a weird case to be made but uh it, it was made regardless 
what the viol they ret they they did a full audit of everything and said these aren't violations but we would request that you you know maybe get rid of these things we were public we told people YouTube wants us to get rid of these it wasn't a Spotify situation where they just disappeared we let people know these are YouTube's rules we're going to stay there and they remonetized us we didn't necessarily know why then they demonetized us and now we're at a point where we're going whoa hold, hold, hold on what's the violation here yeah and they're not being clear about it. There is no other course of action at this point to maintain a livelihood for everyone here, um, you know, and my future children. And all we want to do is a show that's not even a strong PG-13, a show that could. It's very fascinating to me that Crowder says that there's really not enough because like, um, you know, they're not getting sued the same way that Alex Jones is. So Alex Jones probably financially wouldn't be doing as bad if he wasn't getting sued to all hell. Um but it's it's that capitalist mindset that the only way for him to provide for his family is to have the opportunity of infinite growth. And I guess YouTube is the channel for that because YouTube has such a large population and the algorithm promotes his channel and it's open to everybody and not necessarily the esoteric knowledge that Steven Crowder is in person who produces shows. Um, but, 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 there's always a but. When he admits that he doesn't need their monetization, that tells me that he doesn't necessarily need the money. What he's arguing here is the case specifically for the opportunity of infinite growth, which you don't necessarily need to provide for your family. Infinite growth, the profit motive, isn't necessary to providing the necessities. That's a growth in income. So making that case is kind of mute and a little inconsistent to me. Um, so I'm just I'm going to move on from that because if he gets enough subscribers to make a steady enough income on um, Ladder with Crowder, then he's fully capable of doing that. And then every time he makes appearances on, say, Michael Knowles show, Ben Shapiro's Tucker Carlson's, which I don't think he goes on Fox News much very, very much anymore because he has a beef with them. He used to contribute to them and then they came to disagreements and he separated <sighs> but there is still opportunities for him to kind of cross-pollinate, if you will. Um, it's just like he's more interested in the infinite growth profit motive that most capitalists are. That That's why he's making this case. Because if he's making sufficient amount of money and he has a viewership that's higher than Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon, then I would say that he probably has the necessities needed to provide for his family and the workers that he employs. But that's just off of assumption of the things that he told me. But it sounds like if he doesn't have YouTube, then he's going to suffer quite a lot. At least that's what he's telling us. Could run on uh, on FCC broadcasts in on most days. I'll, I'll I'll give you that. Right, of course, because it would seem to me what they're proving now in big tech is this old line you hear it in New York, which is you can indict a ham sandwich. You can, they, they, I don't think they saw a violation and they said, that's it. That's the line. I think they, they went, decided they're going to get you. This is enough. We've had enough Crowder. So we're going to get you. Okay. He didn't really cross the line. Okay. I'm calling this the Trump defense is that there's no discernible action whatsoever to criminality or uh, crossing of lines on policy. No, it's a witch hunt because his ideas are too much for society to handle. It will crumble civilization as we know it that's that's basically the trump defense
Um, and he, they're, they're, they're using it. And anytime conservatives feel that they can opportun, uh, opportunistically use victimhood, they use the Trump defense, that they're just too radical and too much for the status quo that they're being targeted. There's no way that Trump and Rudy Giuliani participated in any illegal activity. They're just targeted by the deep state. There's no way that Crowder is harassing, racist, bigoted, and insensitive. No, he is targeted because he is out for the status quo. You know, it's the same kind of defense. So it's, it's, it's whack. He didn't, he didn't violate this policy. Well, now we have this kind of ridiculous category called borderline content. The whole reason that you have the guidelines is so that you're either on one side of it or the other. So if you have borderline content, you, you obliterate the, the point of the guidelines themselves, but okay, yeah, we'll use that. And it's a little broad. And anyway, we'll find something in the meantime, you're suspended. That's what, that's what it is, right? Yes. Yes. And I just want to make sure I have to, because I want to quote directly here for, for, uh, for effect the exact terminology, so maybe you need to have your censor button of Stephen Colbert and of Samantha Bee, because I've had these conversations where they say, well, do you need to do this segment? We have a segment called What a Piece of Shit, and it usually involves a terrorist or maybe Don Lemon, something like that. Yeah. It's silly, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a redundant description, but right, sure, yeah. Right, exactly. And I said, you really shouldn't do that. Or you know what? You really shouldn't have accidentally missed, you shouldn't have, one time was you shouldn't have laughed when this, uh, transgender individual threw a lunchbox at you and ran and tripped over their high heels when she was running away. And I said, okay, I can see how that offends you. But is it anywhere near as close to calling our sitting president's mouth Putin's colster or the first lady a feckless <laughs> You have to use that as a standard. Not, yes. does this joke offend you? Yeah, it yeah has but to who be said those equal. things and where? don't try and conflate a joke yeah. With a point. There's so much context missing out of this that it's like they didn't target the person who said that Trump's mouth is a cock holster, which I'm pretty sure like that was on like a television show. Like it wasn't on YouTube, so it wasn't really required for YouTube to pull it down. Um I get maybe that video's on YouTube. Hold on. I have to I have to find the the context for that because that came out a while ago. And so just like throwing that out there is 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 strange. Trump Putin's cock holster. <laughs> All right, give Google, give me what I'm looking for. Uh oh yeah. Okay, so it was Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Uh no FFC fine for Stephen Colbert's late night Donald Trump cock holster crack. <laughs> the FCC has decided against taking any action on Stephen Colbert's May 1st late show broadcast in which he treated President Donald Trump to a series of increasingly Okay, I'm going to move that. In response to on-air insults Trump had delivered earlier in the day to CBS News man John Dickerson, Colbert's slew of frat boy remarks culminated in a crack that on the only thing Trump's mouth is good for is being Vladimir Putin's expletive holster. The naughty word was bleeped in the broadcast and Colbert's mouth was pixelated, but intrepid journalists who are paid to ferret out the truth discovered what was the word, and they printed it, minus the offending syllable, of course. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a pretty heavy joke. It was a pretty heavy joke. Um but Trump was not murdered by a police officer uh, or Vladimir Putin, so uh making fun of him in those regards isn't quite as insensitive as making fun of a 16-year-old girl who was killed for her weight. That's uh not quite as insensitive. 
distinct. Right. And uh, I think that's important. And it's listen, it's tough because we we make both of those on this show. It's really the only show that does it the way that we do. It's why we've been incredibly successful. And I, and I don't say that out of arrogance. I say it on my knees, uh, Mr. Marley. I say it on my knees, grateful for the fans that we have who have supported us. Um, and we've played by the rules as best we know how. And now there are no other options. And I don't want this fight. No one would want this fight. I am absolutely a pat. People don't know this about me. I've never been in a fight. You realize this? That's amazing. Like he 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 he's like pivoting. We're talking about a lawsuit, a court battle here, where like fists don't have to fly. It's a nonviolent action, like entirely. It's 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 purely all suits, uh, and uh, grandeur and uh, you know aesthetic and it, like there's there's nothing in an actual fight going on in a lawsuit against YouTube in a courtroom so it's weird that he's going into this case that I've always been a pacifist like yeah pacifists can sue people too what do you mean my adult life you, in a physical it's never fight never happened in a physical fight never it's never happened not once I've well, been assaulted yeah people see the muscles in the gun and they just say you know what maybe no 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 no, no. I'll miss an, no. I'll mess with another guy today no, I've been assaulted. And people know that, you know, I have a hobby like combat. And we have, I mean, for crying out loud, and every other week we have a UFC champion because it's a sport we follow and we work with, sometimes we train with these people. Yeah. I've never been in a fight. I'm very much a pacifist. But my, my belief is this. You avoid it at all costs. Yeah. There is nothing anyone can say to me yeah. that will offend me enough to fight. There's nothing anyone can say about my wife that will offend me enough to fight. Now, I'm not saying that that should be the line for everyone, but as a public figure, I understand the line is different for me. Yeah. However, if I get to the point and again, I've never been in a physical altercation. I've been assaulted. Meaning I've been assaulted and I have retreated and not you actually fought, fought back. back. Right, right. Right. But if it's at a point where I believe that there is no escape and it is my duty to protect either my safety or those around me, I've predetermined that it will be as swift and as effective as possible to end that threat. Yeah. It's the same thing with this hmm. lawsuit right now in injunction with YouTube. I don't want the fight. You guys can tell us your rules. That's why we have Mug Club. You want us to try and set, okay, I think there'll be a conversation somewhere down the line about two-thirds. I mean, if they didn't want the fight, then they would start watching their language when they first got, like, striked years ago for the the, the comments with Carlos Maza. But since, like, this is a reoccurring event, I've, and, like, also, too, that Crowder has, a, like, a media matters moment where he turns around and smiles at the camera, like, he fully knows what he's doing and he's trying to get the ire of them so he can use this victimhood in a form of martyrdom so that it boosts his views and it boosts the 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 idea that he is a a radical anti-establishment dude like it it serves him very well to do this fight so pretty whether you're a publisher or a platform yeah but got it but we're at the point now where there is no other way to proceed and so we've got to make sure that people know exactly what is going on here. And this is, like you said, this is tantamount to saying no conservative yeah. viewpoints are welcome on this platform. I mean, here's we're talking about the publisher issue. This is it's not. It's really not. By Crowder getting a two-week ban, it is no way messaging saying that no conservative view will be allowed on YouTube because, like I've said, every other channel is still active. Even even uh, Nick Fuentes of America First still has his YouTube channel oddly streaming every once in a while. So um, and he's like ultra far right and nationalist, it, farther than Steven Crowder is willing to go most of the time. So um, the the argument that he's making here, no, it's not true. 
is separate, but I, I don't think there's ever been a more clear example than President Trump. People say ex-president. He was removed from all these platforms while he was president, right? Yeah. He was removed for saying fight like hell, uh, which, by the way, our shirts are available at creditorshop.com. Anyone who acts like... <laughs> Anyone who acts like fight like hell is not a phrase that had been used forever. It's just being dishonest, okay? Um, removed the president of the United States. The Ayatollah. Hey, it wasn't just for saying fight like hell. It was uh, a tantamount of issues where he just kept feeding the narrative of the election being stolen, which led to the insurrection of the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Ah. <sighs> Oversimplifying, cherry-picking context, that's Crowder's way. Is still on Twitter. Hamas is still on Twitter. So Twitter has now said, listen, we have decided editorially that Donald Trump's tweets are just too far of a bridge for us to cross, which must mean that they've decided Hamas and the Ayatollah Mm -hmm. Khomeini are not. Yeah. Wait, Hamas is on Twitter? Do they say that the election was stolen and that they won by a large amount and that everybody should come down to the U.S. Capitol for a wild protest? Does Hamas really have a Twitter account? Hamas. Hamas. Um... I mean, if they do have a Twitter account, it's not verified by... (laughs) Twitter, I, I okay. I'll try. I'll try this. I'll try. I'll try Google Hamas official Twitter. Uh, Hamas official, I guess. Let's see. Uh, it's got ten followers. And then the first pinned tweet is from 2012, and it says Muhammad loves to fuck donkeys. So I don't think this is nope. Let's try let's try this other one at Hamas. Uh nope, it's a picture of a fake Mickey Mouse and it says raise the banner of Allah over every inch of Palestine and the rest of the world and have fun trying. Or is that dying? Yeah, and they have three they're following three people with a thousand two hundred and fifty-seven views. Um their last tweet was May 19th, 2013. So, again, not sure if Hamas actually has a Twitter account. Like, which one? I, where? What, what's, the, what's the handle? Because I don't see it. Uh, yeah, I don't see it. I, I really don't. Does the Ayatollah? Hold on. Let's, let's follow up on this. Uh, I, uh, told, uh, I told the Twitter, um, let's see news messages and statements from Ayman Saeed, Iran's Supreme leader. Uh, my Mujahideed, uh, wait, Mujahideed. Mujahid, my Mujahid brother, God's promise is true, where he states, quote, God will certainly aid those who he aid, who aid his cause. With God's grace, you will witness the ultimate victory by his power and will. Your brother, Saeed Ali Khamenei. Um, so there's the leader of Iran. He has a 
Twitter account, I guess. It's not verified by Twitter. Joined in 2009. Uh, I Okay, well, so I, I'll assume that's their official account, but they're not posting the same things that Trump used to. Um, this one says, another important duty is pursuing the punishment of the terrorist, atrocious Zionist regime. The massacre of Palestinian children and women over these 12 days should not be left unpunished. It's actually not a lot different than a lot of tweets that are going out around that subject specifically. Muslim states should earnestly enter the field to support the Palestinian nation in both military and financial aspects, as well as for reconstructing infrastructures and rebuilding the ruins in Gaza. That's not very... Yeah, I'm not seeing that much uh, radical stuff coming from the Iranian leader's Twitter. Due to its inability before Palestine's unified uprising, the aggressive Zionist regime committed such shameful, idiotic acts that it has provoked the public opinion of the world against itself over tw these 12 days. It has made itself and its Western state supporters even more hated. Uh, yeah, it's not the same as Trump's uh, campaign to get people to riot at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. It's not the same. They need to be held liable for that. You can't enjoy the legal protections and say, we're just a platform when you are clearly making editorial decisions. And that's what's going on here. I think that kicking Trump off, and they all did it, right? I mean, basically every single social media platform and, and some technology platforms that aren't even exactly social media. They booted, but they all acted independently. It was right? all we know there's no collusion. Even, it was within days of one another. And, and to me, that was crossing the Rubicon. To me, that was... Yeah. It's so that that hipster Rasputin, you know, Jack Dorsey in Silicon Valley, that he and these other oligarchs. They said everybody, but it looks like. Is it going to load? Um, let's see. Uh, it looks like Trump's account is still active on Facebook. Uh, but he just hasn't posted anything on it since January 6th. So that's interesting. Um, but it's still active. Not everybody banned Trump. Would ban the duly elected sitting president. Whatever you think about the 2020 election, the man was the duly elected sitting president on January 7th, January 8th, and they booted him off. So, of course, next. Because his supporters attempted an insurrection. Like, come on. <laughs> oh, God. They're going to go for Stephen Crowder. Stephen Crowder's got the biggest conservative show on social media. So what? Booting him off too. And I love- See, they're using the Trump defense, like, and they're using Trump as an example into Steven Crowder's uh, comparability to the Trump defense. Nice. Of what you said there about, look, YouTube, I don't want this fight. I'm, I'm willing to play ball to a certain degree. I, I am not the sort of person who says you ought to be able to say, whatever you want at any time, regardless. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think we've got fraud. You're not allowed to have uh, to discuss fraud right in this country. You've had protections against that right. from the very beginning. A sedition, obscenity, direct threats. That's not protected speech. So I'm, I'm willing to play ball. I agree. But here's, but here's something that's even more concerning. Uh, but again, we're talking about law when it's specific to company policy. So, um, yeah, that's these these two things aren't conflated to be the same exact. 
Um, and sure, you can want your uh, companies to adhere to uh, United States law, but then, then we would have to do that for every company and not necessarily just YouTube. So that would mean that bars, uh, other places that would say you're 86th for your behavior would have to prove it through a United States court and go through the legal channels before they can effectively 86 a person from their establishment. This isn't necessarily a very consistent argument we're making here. Uh, Mr. Knowles. And I, you probably know this, but a lot of people skim over it. Do you know why citizen journalism is going to be dead? And I got into it with John Stossel uh, about what the fuck is citizen journalism. Like, what is that? I, I'm looking it up because, like, what? Does he wouldn't be able to do the stuff that he used to do in 2020? Yeah. Um, because the things that you just meant, these are laws. For example, not hate speech. That's not a real thing. Yeah. But a direct threat. Yeah. Or a direct call to violence. Or if we're talking about slander, libel. Yeah. They don't follow those laws on YouTube. A single party consent state. What does that mean? You're in a state. All right. Citizen journalism, also known as collaborative media, participatory journalism, democratic journalism, guerrilla journalism, or street journalism, is based upon public citizens playing an active role in the process of collecting, reporting, analyzing, and disseminating news and information. I'm not sure that's exactly what uh, Crowder is doing because he is a media outlet, like a corporation. So it's not the same as citizen journalism. Citizen journalism sounds more like a collective that aren't quite, um, you know, the media, the, the 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 company itself. Like in the way that Bellingcat is an open source, so they have a lot of people who contribute to Bellingcat, but not necessarily underneath the payroll of bellingcat i think that might be similar to citizen journalism and how many people have heard of bellingcat like crowder's sitting here bitching and moaning but how many people actually know about bellingcat where you have the right to record in other words that's how you record corrupt politicians yep. engaging in corrupt political acts youtube says well no we actually don't follow those laws. we actually don't follow if it's slander or libel sometimes they'll leave it up we've had shows with youtube where we've interviewed people they have been on camera saying, I give permission, spelling out their name on camera, right? Release forms. And then they went afterward and said, I didn't like the way that I looked. I want you to remove it. And we had to blur the face. We go, but that's not the law. So they, they don't follow right. the laws that we should all agree. Yeah. Whether we agree with the laws or not, yep. we all agree that since they are law, mm -hmm. need to be enforced. They operate outside of the law. Yeah. And then they create their own new laws while benefiting from the legal protection of two thirds. Yeah, that's what corporation policy has done for a very long time. Yes. Yep. Sure. Yep. That's that's been a thing in corporate policy for uh, hundreds of years. Cool. Got it. How could you ever catch a corrupt politician, dark money in politics, yep. if this is the standard they use? And of course, it's not a standard that they apply equally. It's, oh, a liberal doesn't like it. Yep. And so we're going to remove this. All someone needs to say is, yeah, you know what? I did offer money for that uh, that underage uh, uh, boy of the night, but uh, <laughs> I didn't like the way that clip made me look, and I want you to remove it. YouTube says, good enough for me. Works. And then they let the Matt Getz stories roll for, you know. So this <laughs> this, this point is so important. I don't even know who they're talking about. And then also, too, the Matt Gates coverage is pretty underwhelming. So I don't – this is a very weak argument, and it's not being made as an argument. It's just claims. They're just throwing shit out. Because – yeah, we all agree there are there are standards and we have laws for those standards. And okay, good. That's like how society is supposed to work, right? And then YouTube says, nah, never mind. We're gonna have our own thing. And it's it's actually, I don't even just mean to single out YouTube. It's all of these woke corporations and specifically big right. tech. They say, no, we're gonna, we're gonna kind of pass our own laws. And actually, 
cocaine Mitch himself, as establishmentarian as you get on the right, Mitch McConnell came out and he said, this is a big threat because these woke corporations are operating like a parallel government. They are yeah. in many ways the, the real governing force in the country. And they, look, I don't like- Yeah, but that's how capitalism has been operating for a minute now that the more we have uh, corporations with free reign where like Nestle wants to get to the point where they privatize water. Um, that's when you're seeing like corporations have been doing that for a long time where they've had their own set of rules for governing. And for a while too, they had their own like cities, like corporate, like own corporation cities, like back like a hundred years ago and where they would actually dictate and have their own currency. So, um, this has always been a predominant issue, mainly through capitalism, wanting to have more governance power over the citizenry more so than the government. Interesting big government, but I, I also don't like big woke corporation because they're even less accountable to the people than the government is. Well, yeah, and they're more powerful than any government that's ever existed. If you were to actually get in a DeLorean and go back to the Roman Empire and show Caesar the power of Alphabet, Google, YouTube, and show them the map and how much information is controlled, like, you're kidding me. Caligula would be like, oh, that's a little extreme. <laughs> Whoa, guys. People, yeah. you know, listen, I just, I just, you know, was seeing a few ladies in the brass room here. Whoa, <laughs> by the way, it looks like that Epstein picture. <laughs> no one was allowed to cover that until uh, he... Uh, he died under uh, security camera footage that went out for the exact 12 minutes, right? But the point is, yeah, no, these people are more powerful than government. And I do think that people need to understand it's not just, it's not about private corporations at this point. Yeah, um, it is though. It really is. But if we, if we broaden it out too much, then capitalism might be at threat. So we need to single in on just big tech being the problem. And then we can reform that to our liking uh, rather than the whole system in itself. Cool. Good job, Crowder. I like, I like that addition. It's not about an open market when they collude and when they don't follow the laws and they enjoy the legal protections that, by the way, other business owners out there don't. If you uh, that's wonderful, too, because then they've been taking like this whole position where like uh, corporatism isn't capitalism and corporatism is like supposedly this just corrupt form of capitalism It's great. It's like that's how like um, conservatives have been like using as like a rhetorical way of separating themselves from private interests when like preserving capitalism is exactly within private interests. You post something at Daily Wire and it is incorrect and it is malicious and it is slander. You can be sued. You yep. will be sued and you will lose. We have been sued and we've won and it cost us money just to win because someone says, I don't like the article that you They would never dream of suing YouTube because of these protections of 230. One other thing I would like to talk about, I don't know how much time we have. Yeah, we the have at least like there... 10 seconds left, yeah. Okay, well, thank you, I appreciate it. You're, <laughs> you're a busy man. Um, uh, and next time I will bring you the cigars when I'm not, you know, coughing I know, You know, just to let, let the audience in a little bit, we were supposed to hang out this week. I was very excited. You were gonna bring some stogies. We were gonna, we were gonna have a great time. I, Obviously, Stephen, had you exercised your lungs properly, you probably yes. wouldn't be in this uh, this sickness right now. I need I need to make better choices, Michael. <laughs> um, I think this is because a lot of liberals, even if you say, "Oh, you know what, ba basic conservative," even though you acknowledge it, not extreme, yeah, still don't like his opinion. Get rid of it. Guess what? You won't be able to conduct any sort of business at all in the world, really. Yes. Uh, without access to Facebook, YouTube, Amazon, Google, Alphabet, you know, Google, yeah. YouTube. Um, this is also a business issue. 
for people who own and run a business. We just talked about how we've advertised on uh, on YouTube or on Facebook, right? And now I don't have the, I'm entirely independent, right? And we have sort of partnerships. So I haven't, advertised, I haven't spent nearly as much money as other people, yeah. but I've done it consistently to understand how the systems work from both sides. Mm-hmm. And you know, they send you these, these, they send you these requests and you get someone on the phone who says, hey, advertise with us. As opposed to Billboard, they have this whole kind of spread, right? You get to keep the subscribers you gain. You get to keep the followers that you have. They encourage you to spend your money as yeah. a business on these platforms. And then they decide which businesses they're going to allow through and which businesses are going to pinch the valve. To give you an idea, with the Vox apocalypse, who's Vox? NBC Vox, Disney Universal, Viacom. Vox, they've co-produced a show with YouTube and Netflix, right? This is something people need to understand. In original studios, it wasn't just us versus some independent online video creators. It was us versus one of the biggest multimedia conglomerates that has existed before big tech. And then you go through a period where you search Steven Crowder changed my mind abortion and you can't find it's it. Gone. Instead, yeah. you find NBC videos. And this is what's really concerning um, for anyone out there. Say? Which one? Which one did he say? Through a period where you search Steven Crowder changed my mind abortion and you can't find it's it. Gone. Instead, yeah. you find NBC videos. And this is what's really concerning. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure it's back up. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's back up. Yep. And there's four editions of it. So whatever, whatever Crowder, there's four editions of that and they're, they're, they're up. So whatever. Um, for anyone out there who runs a business, it's taking away your ability to put up flyers for guitar lessons to give you an idea as to how we've had to change our business. What do you mean? What do you mean? Putting up flyers for guitar lessons is not the same as getting your videos striking down for either racism or insensitivity. Like there's, it's not even close to comparable. What the fuck? Business uh, online. We just, you know, used to upload the shows, let the cards fall where they may. Well, then we realized, oh, hold on a second. We're not really showing, we're not being able to reach people. Search browse. People are entering in the title of the video and being taken to a nine-year-old PBS video with 400 plays. Yeah. So we said, okay, then we need to focus on subscriptions, notifications, but then notifications and subscriptions don't always really work. And so YouTube doesn't really tell you why they don't work. So what we had to do at this point, because YouTube is favoring live streaming, we live stream and we just tell everyone, we've gone back to the old school Johnny Carson approach. Yeah. <laughs> Weekdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, just bookmark it and tune in so we don't lose touch with you. So it doesn't matter if notifications work. It doesn't matter if search or browse works. We still have millions of people tuning in no matter what. And if you go on the YouTube live page, we're number one, two, and four out of five in any given day. So what are we truly complaining about? Your, your, Your suffrage? You're suffering so hard being in the top five every time you live stream on YouTube? It's so difficult out here for Crowder. Like we're like the 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 whole his whole hand is being played in the last fucking four minutes of this video where he's not suffering at all whatsoever. He's kicking up sand so that we can get the laws changed so that people more people can sue YouTube or Twitter for silencing their free speech while simultaneously uh, closing in the circle of the amount of people who would be able to participate on these platforms if they were to become publishers. So good for you, Crowder. Just like, oh my God.
Holy shit. I think that's a huge component to it because if I were Seth Meyers, yeah. and even, I, even though I was getting all that autoplay, I'd be pretty pissed. Mm -hmm. But we constantly have to reinvent the business model that is different from the terms we agreed to when we spent money. And everyone here, their livelihoods depend on it. Like I said, just want to know the rule book. And anyone who says they know the rule book is being dishonest. Yeah, you know how I know? Because YouTube has said, we, we don't show you the rule book. Yeah. I don't know if they know the rule book. This, I, I'm so glad you brought this up. It's funny because you can't find it. When I was going over the, the COVID-19 guidelines, that's specifically from Google and it lays out all of it. Um, so Crowder's just using the ignorance of the viewers who probably aren't as much content creators to know where to find these resources. But the rule book's out there for sure. Because, yes, there's the ideological point. They don't like our views. And so they're going to support the leftist views too. But victimhood. But there's a money component here too. You're taking away eyeballs and you're taking away dollars from the left-wingers who can't get the same kind of views. And there's a lot of a moneyed interest here that is trying to get those eyeballs back. You know, we've got eyeballs we got to work on. We've got lungs that we got to work on next time. I hope that we can exercise those lungs with those stogies when you are feeling better, hopefully when you're back right. on YouTube. In the meantime, though, seriously, people need to go to the mug club because I got to tell you, pal, I, look, I hope it all works out. I think you're, you're big enough in the sense that it would be a really big deal if they, if they took you off totally, but right. it, it would be bad for you. It would be bad for the audience. And most importantly, It'd be bad it would be bad America. for me and all the uh -huh. rest of the conservatives out here who are trying to get a message out because if they come for you and it really seems like they are. Yeah. There's just not enough places for you to be able to get the conservative message for sure. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. They're coming for all of us. That's just the way it oh, is. Oh, you don't have a chance, Not Mike. a chance. You no a good Catholic boy like you, no chance whatsoever. <laughs> Especially, I don't know if you've been vaccinated or not, yeah. but you have absolutely no chance. And no I way. think we share the same views here. Um, look, I'm pro-business. Yeah. I'm anti-fraud. That's really what it comes down to. It's yeah. about business practices. Give us the rule book. And I do have to correct you. We won't be exercising our lungs when I come out because you don't inhale stogies. Oh, you know that, Mike. That's, no, you're right. Only every, you're right. It's... It, I, actually, I mean, it's just ridiculous on its face to say that smoking cigarettes is an exercise for your lungs. Like, uh, not cigarettes, but tobacco. That's a, that's a scienceless claim. Like, <laughs> it's pretty dumb in its face. Not because you don't inhale cigars, but it's pretty dumb to think that tobacco is a form of exercising your lungs. Actually, got someone wrote into me today, and they said, Michael, should I take up smoking cigars? I'm told they're really bad for you. And I said, yeah, well, you don't inhale. You know, you're all good. You know, it's like Bill Clinton. You don't inhale. Yeah, but you can still get cancer in your mouth, you fucking tards. I mean, I'm sorry. It's just like, good God. Like, yeah, yeah. Sm smoking cigars is super safe because uh, you don't inhale. <laughs> Look at me with my big brain. Like, yeah, you, you know, to in, by that same logic, guess what? Chew is safe because you don't inhale or swallow it. So chew up, guys. Consume tobacco products. I'm not shilling for anything. Wink, wink. And they said, well, but it's bad for your mouth and your lips and your this and your that. I said, you know, look, man, to quote a great liberal economist, in the long run, we're all dead. Isn't that the case? So yes. we got to we got. OK, then he should have gone with that argument at the beginning. Not not. Oh, you don't inhale it. Should have just started with like, we're all going to die someday anyways. To enjoy yes. ourselves a little bit. Uh, we'll either be dead. Well, physically, we'll be, all be dead someday. Digitally, uh, we may be dead sooner rather than later if big tech gets its way. Uh, before that happens, everyone head on over to the Mug Club.
Fine, wow. Steve. Like that's that's even that paranoid, like super far right wing thought that like if we don't get big tech to bend to our will, we all might be dead soon. Wow. All right. Well, I'm just gonna end the video there because th there's no better way to to end a conservative uh, shooting the shit other than saying if we don't get big tech to do what we want, civilization as we know it will be destroyed. Cool. That's been Tox News. Uh, Twitter, at ToxinPod. Uh, like, dislike, subscribe, rate, review. And um, come back for more uh, Ladder with Crowder reactions next week because I'm sure he'll come back with a gaggle of uh, get me banned type content. So, cool. A lot of lot of cool beans going on. I really I really love the evolution of conservative victimhood mixed in with martyrdom mentality. That's this is this is all good shit. This is totally everything we should be proud of America. Thanks for joining me.